Hello and welcome to the Gaming Manifesto, the official podcast of ComiGamer.com. My name's Callie and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Riku. Hello. And Adam, aka Glitch from Glitchcraft. How you doing guys? And this week we're here to talk about E3. So, I know you guys all watched it. I haven't got too much of an order here, but I figured we might as well go from the top of what we saw. So, the Ubisoft conference. Did everyone tune in for the, uh, you know, initial walk-in montages on that? Certainly did. Absolutely. Although, if I'm honest, a lot of what we saw was stuff we already knew about. Obviously, we had more updates on Valhalla, which was exciting. Um, and the fact that they're actually, they're supporting it. Valhalla, we don't know if that's what it's called. In fact, no, AC gave us a siege on Paris. No, that's what I mean. Paris. We're getting more, but they're also supporting it into um, a second year, which is mm. like mildly unheard of. They kind of just go, here's your one year's worth of DLC and content and that's your lot on off you go. I suppose I didn't know that was like a, a thing they were known for. I always just kind of assumed they just throw out a new Assassin's Creed game every year. I never really think about it in terms of additional support, but I'm glad. Like, I, I actually like Valhalla. I think it's pretty awesome. Have you played Virtual Glitch? No. So I, I didn't really get on the Assassin's Creed train, to be honest. I, I played the first one um, and had, you know, enjoyable enough experience. But as you say, they sort of started to churn them out. Yeah, they started. I mean, it started off like the initial ones were just like the same set of four missions in different places, like on that first game. But the ones they've come back with since uh, no Origins and Odyssey are a lot more just kind of open RPGs. A lot of people don't like it for that, frankly, because it's not um, going around sneakily assassinating everyone anymore. Like on this latest one, you're literally blowing your horn as you like sail your longboat into a monastery as you charge up, slaying everyone. So they almost yeah, they've definitely gone. <laughs> I was gonna say they almost went down the kind of Mass Effect route with the very RPG heavy stuff, which I personally I love. You know, kind of going back to ancient civilizations and having huge open worldy sandboxes to mooch around in and stuff i thought was awesome but i know that it's kind of it's a very polarizing view you either love the new ac or you hate the new ac which i find hilarious i wouldn't mind if they um rather than just putting out say a new one every year if they kind of took alternate times we're just kicking off like here's one that's uh you know open world rpg style and then the following year here's one where you're back to your kind of stealth roots of assassin's creed except maybe with the ability to swim that you didn't have in the first game That'd be quite a cool way of doing things because I like it when they, um, you know, not every game needs the ship combat. Like I was happy with the fact that Valhalla doesn't really have that because while I love it, I can just go and play Odyssey if I want to do that or Black Flag even. So like I don't know if it is really or uh, yeah I don't know what you're into glitch, but no, Assassin's Creed are awesome games for me anyway. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of the the later ones. Um, a lot of friends play them as well, and they do look more appealing. But I'm one of these people that feels like I need to kind of understand and play the whole story and going back all that way now is is quite a challenge and people have said oh you don't need to you can jump in um but there are that many games out there and that many other series i'm Mm. I'm, i need much more convincing i think to uh to get on board do you know i would say odyssey one of the best games i've ever played if that's any any help play as uh, cassandra as well don't play as the um guy (laughs) that will probably help a bit as well but like that game was amazing that is an enormous endorsement. Here's an endorsement. I'm a very noob, lame, lazy gamer who rarely complete anything. And I have 100%ed the main like game of that. I've got DLC left today, but I went and done every single nook and cranny on it. It was, yeah. And I am loving um Valhalla. And this uh, new bit they've just announced at E3, which is the Siege of Paris, which if you watched uh, Vikings, the TV series, was a very cool thing to just see and frankly know happened. The fact that the Vikings actually did lay siege to Paris, which, you know, the English in me loves. <laughs> they uh, 
also seem to be suggesting there's going to be like a bit more of the mythical element because they have that in this new one where you go to um, Asgard during these, uh, I'd say dream sequences. You're tripping on magical drugs and such, but you're in Asgard, but they seem to have like a Helheim portal. So that'd be interesting to explore anyway. It it does feel like an enormous deviation from, I guess, where it, where it started. And I think, you know, you, you do need that. You talk mm. about any of these these sort of long-lasting franchises and they have... They've come a long way. You know, Resident Evil's a good one to bring up at the minute, you know, that consider where it started and where it is now. You know, not unrecognisable, but there is a definitely like an evolution and a, Assassin's Creed seems to be on that list. It wasn't sort of this platinum premiere title uh, to begin with. Mm. Um, and it seems to have really worked its way into that conversation. Do you know what? And with that, I mean, in terms of like the strangeness, they do explain it. Like if you've not played these games, you, you won't really know, but all that Apple of Eden and such that kind of stuff is used to explain how these things exist. Um, so they don't actually exist in the real world. They're usually just some sort of illusion. But uh, but yeah, it's, def- it's definitely updated. It's like Re- you said about Resident Evil on the number one of that. There is more to it than I f- f- you know, remember. I remember it just being zombies, but having kind of played some of it recently, there is like, you know, like frog people in the sewers. Yeah, Hunter. They bring brought hunters into it and everything else. The horrible spider creatures as well. The spiders no. is fine. That's just a big spider. Spiders are horrible. <laughs> the worst thing. Of, so the worst thing about Biohazard, to be fair, was that horrible woman, Marguerite, mm. and her horrible swarms of bugs. Ugh. But nice little callback to earlier games and keeps it fresh because that was still something that haunts every waking nightmare I have. I think um, it was such a deviation, such a like, such a detour in, in Biohazard because you know we the only real um, th- this kind of spiritual mind control, like, you know hypnotic kind of delusion element hadn't really been seen in the main games until that point there was there was slight nods to it i guess in resident evil 4 with the last plagas and mm-hmm. that sort of that sort of you know mindset but you know th- such a such a move away and I, I think i think probably for the best again you you can't you can't just keep releasing the same game every year and hoping people will still buy it and enjoy it so yeah i'm a big big fan of big yeah, fan definitely. of that definitely like uh, resident evil is close to anime in terms of it's like just batshitness at this point and i think it's better for us so. i mean if they keep going down the path they're going down we're gonna have kingdom hearts level convolution in resident evil which i personally am gonna love but a lot of people are gonna be like just enough now please enough well, i know you'd been hoping that uh, lady d would turn out to be just wesker in Dragon. oh <laughs> how good would that have been seriously just like at the end of the game big reveal <laughs> And it's just like Lady Dimitris is actually Albert Wesker reborn as a drag queen who is nine foot tall. Hat comes oh, off. Oh, the hat comes off, sunglasses, sunglasses on. on. <laughs> that would have just made my decade. That would have done. I'm, ho- I'm still hoping for that in the DLC. Because I am... They could pull it off as well. I, it wouldn't be... you If that happened, you'd be like, oh yeah, of course it was. <laughs> there is Wesker. It's bound to be, wasn't it? So can we can we just take a quick jump back because I know we've we've gone to Capcom here. Um, but <laughs> what was uh, what was everyone's sort of overall feeling of, of E3 this year? Uh, I've I've been really I've been really surprised with like the general kind of vibe across the internet. So I'm just gonna sort of wang that in your directions now and see what what was your what was your sort of takeaway? Did you think it was uh, a good a good year a bad year? Like... I think it was mixed for me. Like there are some really good things that were announced but it almost just felt like a lot of these companies were just going through the motions if that makes sense like there were some that like the xbox showcase for example that came the day after 
was brilliant. The Ubisoft, the, the way that Ubisoft ended with, we're finally getting a James Cameron's Avatar game, which just, oh, so happy. So happy about that. Um, but then there was also a lot of things that weren't quite, didn't hit the mark. Like we had barely any Resident Evil news, despite the fact that Capcom said, oh, we're going to announce something at E3. And all we got was a thing that just says, come back later, stayed and watched the whole stream. And there was nothing there. I was like, that was, is that, is that, do you mean later as in months wise? Mm. Cause I assumed it was later as in, you know, kind of stay watching this whole stream and we'll reveal something at the end. What, what they meant was stick around because the presenter is wearing Claire Redfield's jacket. And that, yeah. that should be, and that should be enough for you really. Uh-huh. I no, I want my lady D DLC and I will not rest. Sure, I didn't, until I, get I, it. I actually watched, I watched a half of Capcom thankfully, and then went to bed. Like, when it gave that a little announcement in the beginning, saying, you know, stay tuned for some DLC information on Resident Evil, I was very tempted to stay up. I thought, no, fuck it, I'll go to bed. I'll just catch the Resident Evil stuff in the morning, no problem. I'm so glad I didn't stay up, because I would have been furious. Because no way would you say, stay around, or no, more DLC news to be revealed later for the news to be, we've got some coming. Like, that's nonsense. <laughs> so what, what about you, Callie? How did you think the overall E3? Me? Uh, so... This isn't, like, I don't normally religiously watch E3 anyway. Uh, so I normally catch, you know, bits and pieces of people's showcases. But of course, with Commie Gamer reporting on every bit of it, you know, I watched every bit of it. Most of it uh, could have been done in an email, you know? <laughs> like, I think the things that were good stood out so much above the things that weren't good that maybe they look worse by comparison as showcases but then i think if uh if i mean the thing that's good for me like anyway big xbox fan anyway but i think it's fairly undeniable xbox had like a massive good show for them this year them and nintendo and i'm not big i'm not a nintendo fan really but i know you know watching the reactions that people loved what they saw from that show but those two stood so far above everything else uh, if they had been a if they had been down at the level of everyone else it would have been a crap weekend there wouldn't have really been anything to take home from it but but yeah xbox i mean like we had a great one last year i think when we got to see a few trailers but it's all just you know his perfect dark coming out 2030 his fable with no release that you know it's like things that are so far off whereas there's actually just a lot like a lot of games all followed by that beautiful coming day one to game pass uh which means i'm going to be playing all of these damn games which really doesn't look good for my backlog i've got going already um but even the bad ones, though, I mean, for me, there was some good show. There was some good bits there. Just like maybe Ubisoft, Square, and like Gearbox could have got together and done one, <laughs> one presentation where they showed all their best stuff, and then it would have been good. But it was fine. What about yourself? For me, um, I-, I thought it was overall like a really good E3. When the biggest criticism I've seen, and, and you alluded to it a moment ago. The biggest criticism really has been that, oh, a lot of this is stuff we've already seen. It's just retreads of trailers uh, with a couple of new couple of new shots or in-game kind of moments. And for me, you know, if you go to one of these conventions uh, in person, sort of face-to-face, there's a lot of that anyway, because you can't expect these developers and, and publishers to have completely brand new content all the time that they've just kept, they've kept behind. They need, they need, you know, they need to keep the hype train, like, steaming forwards. Um, but I think this year... Especially, especially being online, they did a really good job of dropping a few things that people weren't expecting or, or brand new titles. Uh, as you say, especially Xbox and Nintendo, just kind of bookending the 
the show, other than Ubisoft. I mean, they're okay. But Xbox really kind of kicked off in, in full and Nintendo, you know, had the uh, amazing encore, really. So for me, really good, really exciting. Um, it's already ruined my bank balance with uh, with pre-orders. <laughs> Not literal nightmare, but no, really good. Is that just everything off of the Nintendo slate? I yeah, I uh, just yesterday pre-ordered three three of their things. Um, sort of immediately <laughs> missed something else today that came out on pre-order. I was trying to get the um, Metroid Dread Amiibos. They were on Amazon for about eight minutes before they sold out. So, oh wow. Yeah. See, as someone that's not like, you know, I've not got this big affiliation with Nintendo. I had an N64 and I've had Game Boys, but, um, you know, I've got a Switch, but like it doesn't really give much use. So I always find it strange when I hear how popular they are. And I mean, obviously, they sell out, they sell more consoles than like all the other consoles combined, basically. So just in their Switch. But yeah, I find it strange to hear like they actually do sell out of things in that kind of quick time. Um. With yeah, that Nintendo show, like for me, I was watching it like not too bothered. I mean, like Life is Strange on Switch. Life is Strange is already on other things, so I'm already playing it on other things. Um, Two Point Campus, you know, these are that's probably a game I'd rather play on a PC with a mouse. Uh, the one that did save it is got to be Breath of the Wild, of course, for me. Like having not even been a big fan of Breath of the Wild, you know, I've not played it enough. I didn't see anything else on there. On their lineup, which particularly jumped to me, but I guess that is big news for peeps, right? Oh, Breath of the Wild too, especially if they were like, and this is the last thing you're going to get Zelda wise. They were like, here, look, it's a little pocket version of the first two Zelda games, and we were all like, you sh- what? And then they were like, just Pull kidding. Here's yeah. Breath of the Wild too, <laughs> and we were like, oh, I see what you did there, Nintendo, you shady bastards. I mean, I. That was everything I was waiting for, and I think Nintendo may have sunk their own ship if they hadn't announced it. Um, they like Twitter. If Twitter is a good metric for understanding what people were after, that was all anyone was talking about leading up to the Nintendo Direct. Was there better mm-hmm. be something for Zelda's 35th anniversary and Breath of the Wild too? Um, and that trailer was just sensational. It there was oh. so much, so much in two minutes. Um, I, you know, en- enough nods. Go on. I mean. My biggest hype bit about that was that single image of the Calamity Gloom floating around and then zombie Ganondorf in the background with like what looked like fire around him. I was just like, he's coming back. I mean, isn't he also the bad guy in every single Zelda, right? Am I misunderstanding Zelda? He's the baddie in about half of the games. Not all of them. Right? In a... (laughs) No, against it, but yeah. In a nutshell. (laughs) Um, so not, not really spoilers for those, for the whole Zelda universe, but you know, so so don't worry too much. I won't go into crazy detail, but ultimately throughout, throughout time, the idea of this balance between good and evil, it's, it kind of shows that it perpetuates and it will never, it will never cease. And on the side of good, obviously is Prince, is Princess Zelda and kind of the heritage of the princesses with, with that sort of same name as it kind of passes down through, through time. And then, uh, like, like a boy who, just so happens to take on the mantle of like hero who is yeah often called link um so ganon is this almost this perpetual sort of evil but he is yeah he isn't the only one um and in fact the ganon that you see in this trailer is one that was sort of banished in the timeline kind of centuries sort of prior to this and look you know looks like he's kind of coming back from sort of beneath the yeah the wreckage of hyrule and, and things so it's it's yeah very exciting um and yeah, the trailer just the trailer was just phenomenal. 
Yeah, and uh, I would say the other, the only other thing from that uh, Nintendo I enjoyed was the um, Fatal Frame. I mean, sorry, did you want to talk about Metroid Dread at all? I can do, yeah. I know that one appealed to yeah, you. Yeah. Go for it. So, yeah, Metroid is one of Nintendo's sort of long-lost IPs, really, that I think, as you've said, as, as someone who is probably a more casual Nintendo fan, sort of Metroid and Samus aren't usually on people's radars because it, it's, mm. you know, it's one of those stories that people don't know and... If you haven't sort of played it before, does it does it look kind of special on its own? I, I, I'm not sure that it does. But when you sort of go back, Metroid is the inspiration for pretty much any of these popular platform adventure games that you play today from sort of Ori, um, Hollow Knight, any, any of those kind of games sort of all took inspiration from both Metroid and, and Castlevania. So to see them now taking Metroid back to that sort of 2D platformer puzzle adventure looks looks mm. great and the threat of yeah these uh, these emmy robots that are legging it around after you and can hear all the sound you make and things like that just call it dread like nintendo are pretty good at horror when they put their mind to it and i think this is going to be a really nice return and i think what's interesting so obviously this is metroid 5 and they announced metroid 4 um kind of i think it was three years ago now uh e3 um, but you've heard nothing about it since, and now they've jumped to this fifth edition. Um, I think what they're going to do... So there is a missing hidden game out there somewhere. Metroid Prime 4 is like... It was in development, and then I think, from what I remember, they kind of they started development on it, and then they basically looked at the game and just went, no, we don't like that, pulled the plug, went back to the drawing boards, and then started to redo the game again. Because we got before... We got the Dread trailer. They said, you know, you're all. We know that you're all really excited and looking forward to some news on Metroid Prime Four. Uh, we can tell you it is still in development, and we want to share something with you soon. But in the meantime, here is a 2D version with Gladys from Portal playing an angry dog robot. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. They did. They did say that it wasn't up to kind of the standard of the first three Metroid Prime games. But next year is also the 35th anniversary of Metroid, and I think what better kind of title to run it with than Prime, which has been the kind of flagship Metroid games for, for years now on consoles. So this will hopefully pull in more fans to the Metroid universe because it, it does look great and it's something that I think will appeal to maybe a maturer gamer as well. So not just the kids, it will be something that, that you know, the the gamers that normally maybe sort of gravitate to Xbox and PlayStation for you, you kind of more adult games will see this and go, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll give that a, give that a go. And then when Prime drops, which would be it'd be good, good if it was next year uh, to kind of t- time with the anniversary, they will have more players. Hey, um, is so I was going to say, is Metroid usually scary at all? Yes. Oh, okay. So it is actually known to be a scary game. I assumed it was kind of just shooting at I don't know space aliens or something. If you imagine, which I suppose is scary, but like, <laughs> yeah, if you imagine a less sort of on drugs version of Doom, um. But but with kind of that sort of jump scare kind of you're you know you're on these alien planets that are evidently infested with with sort of space pirates and weird creatures that are kind of mm. waiting for you within these sort of dark corridors or weird caverns um, and it's got a real sense of isolation um, you don't have any friends there's no there's no sort of good guys to find there's no real civilization to speak of so you're just out there exploring sort of bounty hunting and then come across these terrifying awful things the soundtrack is normally incredible as well uh, and judging by the trailer they're they're kind of going to move forward with with those same vibes that's not at all what i thought metroid was i honestly thought it was kind of just like a mario but a shooter like that's fair, that's fair. i just assumed it was another kind of kids game like so yeah that's kind of interesting to see 
Um, but speaking of horror, Fatal Frame. Yes. Which will be coming on to Xboxes and Playstations and PCs and such as well. Um, I've not played any of these. Fatal, well, Fatal Frame or Project, Project Zero. Zero, yeah. right? Is it? So in the in the West, they were called Project Zero, which is a terrible title. It doesn't mean anything. Like mm. Fatal Frame speaks to the idea of this this spiritual camera that you wield in all the games. Um, so ultimately, yeah, you look down the lens of this camera and you can see the undead, and it's the only way you can sort of defeat them as well is by sort of capturing them in these particular moments or or sort of instances. Uh, and it's one of those horrible games where you know you've got to bring the camera up to see the ghost, but you also don't want to do that. Oh right, because <laughs> it's like well, it's definitely in front of me. If I don't if I don't pick it up, it's going to kill me while I don't while I can't see it. So I may as well have a look. Um, yeah, really excited for this, and I hope it does sort of bring it. It's very Japanese. I mean, it is. If you if you know if you think Resident Evil is going batshit, this is um, <laughs> this is even weirder, really. I mean, I've always looked at like the ghosts on it, and I'm like, basically, what you're playing is a let's go and photograph Samara from the ring, and that is not okay. <laughs> Honestly, just the idea. Oh, look, there's another creepy, evil, demonic, growling thing from the Grudge. Let's take a photograph of it. Why would you want to do that? That's how you defeat no. it, you capture its soul. I assume that's the like premise behind it, right? Like taking photos of it is doing on that whole photos capturing the soul thing. Pretty much, or not? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I look forward to it. If there's, um, I'm, I'm getting more brave, sort of, when it comes to the games. Uh, that seems like the kind of game where it is like, is it a bit more of a walking sim, less kind of combat based? Yes, yeah, it's not, it's not run and gun sort of. So you know, nowhere near kind of the Resident Evil. I'd put it more akin to something like a Silent Hill, where you are, you're more, more sort of inclined to run than you are. Uh... That doesn't make me more likely to play it. I'll be honest, like, <laughs> that's terrified me right off of it. On the subject of Silent Hill, we got nothing mm. again. We got an ex what from Kojima? from Kojima. He's not. He's oh, not. Say, he's not got... going to release Silent Hills. He's not. No, because we got Silent Hills in the form of uh, Sad Dad Walking Delivery Man Simulator. <laughs> we did. We did indeed. And the di- the director's cut of that confuses me because I'm like, what what did you remove from that game? More walking. More barren wilderness uh, added added to the game because oh, it's think. called the director's I'm, cut, I'm... isn't it? And that would assume that they removed, they edited that game down. And I'm like, how? That's not what director's cut means. It means they just you know they've uh, like put in bits that were taken out before, changed things around. I liked the um, I watched his uh, it was the summer game show bit with Kojima talking, which was strange anyway um, with everything he kept kept bringing up. But that game, wow, has never appealed to me. People that have played it and completed it seem to fucking love it. So there's got to be something to it, I figured. But I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the little showcase because it walks into a room and everyone and it basically does a Metal Gear Solid sort of cut of like showing a layout which shows you can clearly you know navigate it crawling around whilst people patrol it. Then he pulls a box off the shelf and climbs into it, and I think that's just you know a nod to the box of Metal Gear Solid One and well presumably the rest of the Metal Gear Solid games where you hide around in a box, but I'm not going to play it in this. I mean, no, I'm not going to play so, it. <laughs> it's like a hundred hour game. Yeah, a friend of mine, again, I've not played it personally. I've, I watched a friend of mine play bits of it and another one of my friends swears by it as, you know, this sort of fabulous, uh, you know, unique kind of experience. But I think, so, we, you know, Kojima is both, you know, nut job and genius kind of all rolled into one. You know, you, you look at the Metal Gear Solid sort of, especially the original you know, PlayStation title and, and kind of those first three, perhaps. 
just excellent, you know, genre-defining, groundbreaking games with utterly, utterly ridiculous stories that it pulled you in because the, the gameplay was so good. And I think Death Stranding's story was definitely the main focus. It, and as you say, just a lot of walking and, you know, almost just walking between cutscenes, which Metal Gear Solid ended up becoming kind of renowned for in sort of Metal Gear Solid 4 and 5, where people said this is mm. just ultimately an interactive movie now with, with very little of the gameplay that made it so popular in the first place. And I think he has got a lot in common with sort of film directors. He's clearly got that kind of filmic vision that, uh, you know, which I think games do need, but I think at the same time, you need to, like, maybe he's forgotten what it is to be a player and that it sometimes you need a little bit more of that hands-on, lots kind of happening. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely a, 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 like a proponent of uh, walking simulators. I, there's some, some games out there that I adore where you do nothing more than kind of wander around a house or that kind of thing, sort of like Gone Home or Firewatch. I love those titles, but but they're also not long because they know that that's that's what the sort of that's where it takes you out of the game is when you when you're playing it for sort of more than ten to twelve hours, it starts to become a bit of a slog and it's too too samey. So not maybe not for me, but I would like to see Silent Hills come back as well, Riku. That that is oh, definitely something. Absolutely, I, I I played all of about thirty five seconds of PT when it was dropped. And immediately then decided that because I had downloaded it onto my PlayStation, my PlayStation was clearly going to haunt me. So I had to delete it, which I now really regret because my PlayStation would be worth so much money had I not have deleted it. But yeah, like, I don't know, I, from my standpoint, like I, I've played quite a few Kojima games. And I think the idea that he's got his this really filmic vision is great. But I'm I, you know, kind of I love big over the top fancy stories in gaming, but from my perspective it's always you've got to have that balance between narrative and gameplay and i think over the last few years kojima has very much just been like and here's another interactive movie that we're slowly pushing upon people at almost at the detriment to gameplay and it just kind of it feels like that like you say that's got that kind of disconnect there does he actually know what it's like to play games anymore or is he just so focused on these big epic narratives that he's just kind of almost out of sync with what it's like to actually play you can say so far representing us you don't have to i'm trying to be i'm trying to be diplomatic (laughs) i'm attempting to be diplomatic but yes basically he is so far up his own ass he doesn't actually know what it's like to play video games anymore i i think he just sits there watching stanley kubrick films for like 18 hours a day and then just goes oh my god i've had a stroke of inspiration i think he should just team up with Quentin Tarantino and the two of them should just write a film and then he can get it out of his system and then go back to actually making good games. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
controversial, but he still. clearly doesn't want to. Whatever he's working, whatever he's working on, if this is what he's doing, if he likes making these kind of film games, there's still a place for him. People like him. Just that person isn't me. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I, I'm happy enough with a blur of you know cinema and games from time to time. Like, you have that video of our games are this. His games are, you know, are yeah in some way, but they just they're just not necessarily for me. I think um, Death Stranded would be more for me if it was just more of a walking simulator and less of a weird zombies or no weird black goop stuff showing up because I, <laughs> I could just walk around a nice. I, I could go on a hike quite happily in a game. That'd be fine for me. Um, but yeah, when you then make it stressful, it takes away my hiking fun. That's, that's so pick one or the yeah, other. Yeah, almost like he doesn't know what it wants to be. Mm. Don't know how we've gone to him. He wasn't there at all. But, uh, he wasn't. That was my <laughs> fault. Horror, Japanese horror games, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, bringing it back to um, Western horror, what about um, the Back mm. for Blood game on the Xbox? That, that... Oh, yes. That looks so good. Doesn't it? Doesn't it look oh. great? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a very popular uh, genre now, this sort of online co-op, uh, just hack and slash and survive kind of thing. But, you know, from the from the from like the original Left 4 Dead guys, um, you know, with obviously all the nods to it, but then, you know, on the new engines with crazy spawn rates and what looked to be just an absolutely insurmountable amount of zombies. Um, and so visceral. Get, get in. Yes, very. So very. visceral. Oh. Joe. This is a game as well that the whole coming to Game Pass thing works so well for because of trying to convince a few of your mates to buy a game like that. Might not happen. I probably wouldn't unless, you know, we're really into Left 4 Dead, which I've never been, but I'm totally going to be giving this a go. I'm totally going to be playing this with my friends. So, yeah, very excited for that to show up. And I think that's not even too far away. Maybe October time, wasn't it? Uh, 12th of October. It was, just before Halloween. Yeah, I figured that's what they were doing for it. Problem is when Halloween comes, another one that we actually did get a look at, I believe, on a showcase I didn't watch. Which it was, was um, Bandai Namco gave us a little bit more information about House of Ashes, Ashes right. which has got Ashley, yeah, House of Ash. which has got Ashley Tisdale in, another C-list celebrity that they're bringing out of retirement for a game, which looks really good. <laughs> hey, Will Poulton, Poulter, <laughs> is not C-list celebrity. That man's eyebrows alone are A-list, surely. <laughs> Debatable. He's certainly not in retirement anyway. <laughs> now I'll be hyped for that. I mean, I've I've seen the trailers before, and that is a that's a scary genre I, I do like because it is more walking sim than action. It's all Speaking quick time of... events. Oh, I love a good QTE. Oh, I get stressed. I can deal with. That. I can deal with them normally, but like <laughs> when you've got like it's like um ah, oh, little hope. Until no, then. little hope. Oh. Those QTEs screwed me so many times because I got stressed because they were like, look look at the character you're playing as. And they were like panning slowly to, and here's the scary monster. And I was like, no, don't screw this up. Just knowing that if you miss press an X, you're going to die. (laughs) It's quite like, yeah, there's no chance to get away out of that. And then you ruined your game. Like you have to restart again or just deal with the fact that you've killed off some members. Speaking of restarting again, uh, another another one Mm. of the Xbox titles that absolutely tickled my fancy was uh, 12 minutes which also has a celebrity in it james mcavoy yes um daisy ridley as well and i yes. think um willem, Green willem dafoe's dafoe? in it as well willem dafoe yeah just looks fantastic i love anything that is just just really unique and uh, i you know and yeah okay the groundhog day kind of re- repetitive thing we've had that recently in was it outer wilds mm. 
Yes, um, where you're on the spaceship trying to stop the 22 minutes um, universe implosion. Also, also by Annapurna, who are releasing this one. Um, so mm. you know they've got a good kind of history with this. But this looks, I was so claustrophobic. Sorry, is this the same as? Uh, is this the same people that did Atwards? I think that was Annapurna. Yeah, I think it was. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know much about. I've learned. I think you what you get murdered. <laughs> Someone breaks into so, your house and murders no, so, you. Uh, I don't know what the rest is. But so your wife, uh, basically, you're uh, having like a little night in with your wife, and then a detective comes to your door and accuses her of murder, and arrest goes to arrest her, and I think you then step in and try and stop it, and then he, I don't know if he beats you to death or something, uh, but you basically die with like yeah, twelve minutes kind of after the game starts, and then it takes you back to before that, and then. It looks to I me mean, so claustrophobic, that top-down sort of mm. like trapped mm. in a room. Small you can apartment as well. Yeah, it's not a big place, you can wander around your apartment. But I watched a little bit of. So this isn't this isn't the sort of this wasn't actually the first announcement. It, they'd announced it maybe a couple of months back, um, and mm. there was some. I watched an interview with one of the developers about the sort of gameplay, and it's almost everything is interact like can be interacted with, and as a result you can very much determine what you do and sort of even small things that you might, you know, your interaction with your wife might change kind of the mood within the room and how sort of things progress. And then you learn on every sort of playthrough how to maybe alter things. And I think the idea is, you know, you have, you know, this sort of 12 minute period to get the perfect series of events to not end up dead. Uh, but by the sounds of it, there are other ways that you'll die anyway. Almost, almost like this kind of fate's going to get you out either way and you're trying to sort of, change the course of that did any did either of you two play on the playstation 2 it's not an enormously well-known game but um shadow of memories yes no yes riku loved shadow of memories so you played as a guy i think his name was i want to say his name was ike um ike ike kutch i believe his name was uh and you're in this sort of fictional german town and at the very start of the game you're sort of walking around there's like a festival on or something and you end up getting murdered. But when you die, you you end up in this sort of um, kind of middle space with this really strange imp-like creature who says to you, "Oh, actually, you know, you, I can send you back, and we can we can avoid this happening." And what starts off as this, just sort of trying to avoid someone stabbing you or, or whatever, ends up on this crazy sort of time travel adventure where you go back to centuries before, where like events from that day are what kind of caused you to end up being killed um just and honestly the story is incredible there was it was well ahead of its time it had sort of five or six different endings um and the real ending was the big one of the biggest twists i can ever remember in in sort of gaming and it was so yeah. good it just was yeah uh, this really that's playstation 2 yeah. as well that's a long time it had this yeah. brilliant mechanic as well where because obviously you were like bouncing around different time streams and stuff if by the end of the chapter you weren't back in your correct time period you would automatically so you could like fix everything get everything sorted within a time period but if by the end of that chapter you weren't back in your proper time zone in your proper period of time you would automatically die and then you'd have to restart again and it was just like for the time it came out as well it was just like a completely mind-boggling game because you'd be like oh cool we're gonna do it this time and they were like oh wait no you've run out of time bam dead yeah yeah what game is this what what was it shadow of memories it's um. That sounds awesome. It was actually it's a Konami. It's actually a Konami out. game. Oh, it is. It is, is it by Kojima. It's himself, not. It's or... a nothing. Kideo Kojima was nowhere near this when it came out at all. It was a completely <laughs> different team at Konami. I mean, thing is, um, okay, it just radiates his batshit level, doesn't it? Like, by the sounds. Yeah, but I tell you what. You, 
as much as it, it sort of does, it also has this really, it feels really coherent as a story when you mm. finally get to the kind of the crux of it. Um, I mean, mm. are you ever going to play it? I feel, I feel like we, we can probably talk spoilers for a game that is... You know what, it's been out long enough that like, I'm probably not going to get around to going on to that one. I've got enough stuff to go. You, you saw the Xbox showcase. I've got enough games. I've right? <laughs> got time to go back and play PlayStation Well, just, so just very, yeah. So do, do tell. Okay, well, the final, the, the final <laughs> sort of ending. So this, this weird imp creature, it was actually... Um, the whole thing was about this um, scientist sort of years back who I think turns out actually to be the character you're playing, but kind of in, in a different sort of time period, was trying to create like the elixir of life to kind of like live forever and in doing so created mm. this this false human being like they're called homunculus which is what this imp character is and ultimately she stops you from dying because you're the only one that can mean that she was created in the first place um otherwise she would cease to exist entirely so she kind of manipulates you and time to ensure that she lives so like the ending's like it's really dark um kind of sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where you mm. you kind of allow like an an ancient version of yourself to sort of create her in the first place i i, I mean i can't remember exactly the details but it was just such it a was just fantastic it was ending. it was mind-bending and you know kind of i played that and then you know several years later got really into full metal alchemist and i was kind of sitting there going hang on a minute this is pretty much the plot of shadow of memories but in a slightly more shown in anime style because you've okay. got, you know, a, a you know crazy person who tries to create a philosopher's stone, the elixir of life, to live forever, and then it becomes this kind of time loop thing of self fulfilling prophecy that the whole homunculus has been manipulating you so that it can create this thing. And I was just like, mind blown. Very good stuff. Uh, one of the other games which is kind of more off the side, anyway, in terms of interesting ones, is Plague Tale Two Requiem. Now, I had a choppy stream for this, so I've had to go back and kind of rewatch it where there's just a uh, absolute like tidal wave of rats coming down the street. Like, did I really play number one at all? I have not. I've seen, no, like, not, not I. seen chunks of it and it looks quite good, but at the same time, it looks really stressful. It's not too bad. Um, you got to look after little Hugo, your, I think that was his name, your little brother. Um, and that can be a bit stressful because of like he has no survival skills at all. Um, but yeah, you are, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it is a slow paced kind of over the shoulder, you know, like you are walking around avoiding detection by people. If you get caught, despite you're like a 12 year old girl in this or something, the fucking soldiers will just stab you and it is graphic. Like <laughs> you'll get murdered by these guys. And it was, yeah, I, I never got rounds fully completing it. Uh, but I do think it kind of went under people's radars and it is an absolute great game. So yeah, when that number two comes out will probably give me a bit of a burst to finally get around to completing the original i guess spoilers i i, I spoilers in that number two looks like it might be the same people so i guess they live but that's what i'd hope for anyway who knows it might just be two people that look exactly the same as the last characters but with different names they're not that similar though like, i didn't hear the names either so i mean they're similar enough like it's, it looks like it's sort of maybe set you know another 10 years time or five years time so like Hugo, rather than being like a sort of seven, five to seven year old boy, is like, well, the boy that's in this looks about sort of ten. So maybe it isn't the same people, but it probably is. Speaking of uh, kind of uh, similar looking protagonists, did did any of you guys see the Outer Worlds two weird meta trailer? Where oh, that was a great, trailer. fantastic. There was, <laughs> was, there was so a lot good. of this this self referential like meta mm. trailer this year, and I'm all for that because I think you know we. It's good when you kind of can 
sort of pull your own leg about the, the tropes that are kicking about. And I mean, the Outer Worlds one was fantastic. And to, to kind of see that they've kept the sense of humour, um, even though there's, as they say, probably none of that trailer is even really the game. <laughs> like it was just thrown together as as a we're bringing out a second one. Um, well, isn't that how it started? It showed like a monster, and it's like this will be the last time you ever yeah. see this monster. We, 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 we <laughs> like, see the monster again. Probably not. <laughs> like we haven't got anything developed, no plot, no characters. We just show a person from the back of a silhouette, which I thought was great because that is like almost the exact ending of the uh, Perfect Dark trailer from last year. Xbox put out where you just see like the back of someone like standing over you know silhouetted um that game though number one I've another one I'm uh say low concentration spans I haven't completed but was great fun and it does have like quite a comedic element to it yeah it so it made sense of that being the trailer felt like a good mix of like sort of borderlands quirkiness with your fallout mm. slash elder scrolls rpg kind of elements um Nice little sort of nice little mix, I think. So wasn't it done by the people mm. that did Fallout New Vegas? Obsidian, it yes. is Obsidian. Yeah. Which um, I mean, I like while everyone loves that New Vegas, I never could get into it, and I've tried multiple, multiple times because it is quite hard. Like, and the guns don't seem to hit anything when I shoot them. So yeah, I give up on that. Are you a, are you a Fallout fan in general? I am. Um, though, like, I'm a fan of Fallout Four, which is the one people don't like so much. Um, because I think a lot of the decisions don't mean anything in Fallout 4, and like the you know, there's not as much like of that kind of role playingness to it. But it had a, it was a lot more of a shooter. The actual mechanics of like just going around shooting things felt better than it did in well, New Vegas, which is the other one I've tried. Yeah, so I I loved Fallout 3. I put in far too many hours. Mm. I think I saw every inch of that map. Um, and I agree actually. Like I really enjoyed Fallout 4. And I do get the criticisms because there was, I decided to team with one of the sort of factions. Uh, so I kind of infiltrated the other factions kind of headquarters, which was like a, from what I remember, it was like a bit of like a blimp or something in the sky. And I just, during like a kind of mission um, introduction, I just like wiped out the entire blimp of like the commanders and stuff like the head and whatever. And I was like, yes, I've done, you know, I've done this thing. Again, having played New Vegas, I was hoping that it would have would cause something to happen. But instead it just locked that door for me to ever kind of progress their story arcs. So it was, yeah, as you say, it wasn't like there was any kind of cause and effect. It was just more, you do what you want, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like um, the first time I played through that game, it was, I'd done a good huge portion of the map, maybe like 70% of the map before I went to Diamond City, which is like the first place you're meant to go really after you leave your hometown. Yeah. But distracted by side quests so like i found the actual game quite you know the main storyline quite easy because i was already far over leveled which isn't a problem um but yeah as you said nothing really nothing seems to affect too much you know you pick your side you blow up one of the factions buildings but yeah. while we're on the subject of kind of bethesda like games i think we should talk about starfield yes we should because we should. my god like we didn't get an awful lot of information other than, you know, 11th of November 2022. But God, that game looked beautiful. Didn't it? Yeah. Oh my God. And I thought at first, I, I assumed that was just, you know, a bit of a CGI trailer. Turns out it's not It's not gameplay, it's in-engine capture. So, you know, navigating around, so they pre-programmed the, you know, walking about. But that is what it will be looking like within the game, which is amazing. Oh, it's to be just honest, for like... mind-blowing. It was like watching like kind of 
something that was I, I can't even describe it like just watching <laughs> that trailer my jaw just dropped i was like nothing that we've seen is this pretty yet there are some very close contenders but just like the detailing and everything was just stunning yeah i agree sure the, the the general style of that though i quite like that uh near future space where things aren't just super sci-fi star trek style where you can just warp and breathe on any planet you want or whatnot that is kind of like almost like a realistic look at the future of space travel or that's what it looks like it's heading for yeah it does have a, it um, does have a sort of sincerity to the weight that it, of everything within the trailer and i mean my, in my friendship group it is split between sort of the Bethesda lovers and the Bethesda absolute despisers because, you know, the kind of glitchy nature of their some of their past efforts and, you know, the very hit and miss. Mm. Like, graphically, they've never been stunning. You know, it's always felt a little bit kind of hollow somehow or a bit sort of shallow in, in, in that way. But this, yeah, if this is how this is going to look and if they can kind of make it so it doesn't feel broken, um, yeah, it's going to be... It's gonna be it's gonna blow things away. The fact they opened the the Xbox kind of showcase with it is very telling. That you know they've... that's ballsy, isn't yeah. it? Like this, that could have been a show closer. Um, but it did. The trailer leaked about an hour before. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. The Washington hear that. Post. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I I do wonder if that was the intention to actually release that as the first thing, or was it a case of shit? That's leaked. Let's get this out of here quickly so it doesn't you know doesn't kind of ruin too much of the um effect of it. But you're right about like because I, I quite like Bethesda games. I play. I love Oblivion. Um, I'm still playing Skyrim. Like every now and then, I dip into it. I've modded the living shit out of it, so like it looks phenomenal. But they do still kind of look a bit crappy. Yes. And I mean, it's been like ten years since they actually released Skyrim, so it's not too surprising it looks like bad. But it's never been like like if you compare Witcher Three to say to Skyrim, like they've kind of in the sim the vein of games but one does has has a more polished look and one looks a bit well one of them skyrim <laughs> and i was kind of expecting the same for uh elder scrolls 6 but i did see like some footage of elder scrolls 6 or like some in-engine footage and it you know it had leaves and things and just showing bits of like forestry and it looked a lot more polished a lot more like a um Witcher game and like not Skyrim. Fable. Like a Witcher. Yeah, but like uh, even better than I that. Genuinely. I genuinely... I think that like moving around is going to be the same. You know, I, I get this feeling when you're running, you're going to be running sort of so, like diagonally sideways like you always are in those games. But... With that very bizarre laboured breathing noises that you do after about four paces where your guy sounds like he's about <laughs> to have some form of coronary. That feels quite accurate actually to real life, so I'm not... <laughs> opposed to that but yeah it, I, I hope this new engine because they actually finally got around to you know doing it on a new engine not the same one they used for fallout 4 and uh and skyrim and oblivion so hopefully we're gonna see something pretty special from i do think, I think that so. from starcraft i think though. that's how we should just describe a game's like graphics nowadays which would be like, it's either beautiful or it's a skyrim it's not that bad but <laughs> maybe maybe uh, I, I mean, maybe if... a morrowind rather than a, a skyrim Oh, a yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very old at this point, though. It looked good at the time. It was. Oh, yeah, bad. but you know what? Oblivion <laughs> looked good at the time, and Skyrim. Skyrim yeah, yeah. wasn't much of a jump, but it still was an improvement on. Well, that's the thing, though. I don't think the difference between Oblivion and Skyrim was particularly huge. Like I've modded, as I say, I've got tons of mods on it, and it does look very pretty in terms of the environments and things. Uh, but yeah, you still kind of you've got that vibe of it is 
it is this Bethesda looking game. So it's nice to see them using a new engine, which is actually going to look good. Fingers I was about to say, though, didn't both Oblivion and Skyrim both came out, not last gen, but the gen before? They were PS3 360 games when they first came out. They were? You know, yes, like we didn't been. get an Elder Scrolls game at all on the last generation of consoles. We just got... Yeah, we did. We got Skyrim. <laughs> we didn't get a new Elder Scrolls game with a better graphics engine developed in a better engine on the last gen console it was just like we've done a re-release of skyrim and we at that point we were like (laughs) well i'm still waiting for my microwave and my blender to be able to beam skyrim so stop upgrading it and just get the microwave and blender versions out already i saw someone got doom running on a lamp from ikea like i think inside like the light bulb the little flat panel it uses it's like an led uh lamp and they had programmed it to run doom that did you uh like that was a couple of days ago this is this is uh i make a plug for a comic article but i was talking about the things that wouldn't be announced at e3 and it was the uh, contact lens version of doom so that wasn't announced yep. that was correct <laughs> my, my prediction was accurate that was not something that came up <laughs> um so we opened we opened the xbox thing with uh with starfield but then we closed with something that you looked like you really enjoyed cali uh redfall redfall uh yeah i mean like we we had heard rumors of something called um, uh, Project Omen, which is what this ter- this this has been, and it was going to be some vampire game. I was going to be doing a piece on it, uh, like talking about kind of previous vampire games that have come out. But honestly, I've not played it that many of them. You know, like Legacy of Kane and Masquerade and such. Uh, so I ended up not doing that. But like, I thought this was going to be playing as vampires, and it looks like you're playing as the the well vampire hunters or just people in a kind of quirky gen z <laughs> like doing things for tiktok way so i, I don't know how it'll be it's by um it, you know did you get that vibe from it though um, like where he's yeah, like reco- they're there to record it <laughs> i wasn't blown away with this um one of my friends like lost his mind and was like this like because we, we had a chat kind of open during e3 and every now and then i'd get like a capitalized like yes look at this uh and this was one of them mm. and i thought Oh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away, and I think almost what what you just said. I think they should have opened with this, um, because it was still pretty cool. But I think close, if you close on Starfield, like it's the you know it's that classic like you uh you sort of go away feeling like the last thing that you saw, uh, whether that's like a, a concert or a you know something like this. And I think like yeah, yeah Redfall was just a bit of a it jarred for me. Um, and again, another another co op shooter, so an, an, another kind of in the same ilk of of the Back for Blood. But but with, See, but with vampires, well, so I I don't know Lou about that because that's what it kind of looks like at first. The back for blood, but for one, this is a game which has single player, like, and it's perfectly fine to play a single player. That's kind of how they've advertised yeah. it. It's just you can also play with friends. So fingers crossed, it's not just like a multiplayer shooter. But I've also heard that it is an open world game. Not yeah, so not yes. like a just you know fight off hordes of vampires. It's going to be I don't know. Presumably, I mean, have you played like? Uh, not Day of the Dead. I'm trying to think. Dead, Dead Rising. I don't know the one that's um, the Xbox Dead game where uh, you go around like clearing out zombie nests and things like that. Uh, the, like the old, um, the old school one because that that is um, that's whatever you just said a second ago. Uh, Dead Rising. No, State of Decay is what I was thinking of. Oh, right, uh, right, State right. of Decay. So like you go to different areas. So like that, but by Arcane. And I know Arcane. They're not particularly for me. If I'm perfectly honest, like I tried playing Dishonored myself uh, or Dishonored Two anyway, and I find it too hard to really just have fun on it like i think some of the mechanics are cool but then i end up getting just chased by too many damn people and like uh, 
it ruins my stealth. I'm trying to be stealthy. One thing slips up and then my whole game is not fun anymore kind of thing. So uh, it's by them. It does look like it has some cool features. Like there's, they kind of focused in on this, uh, the, the girl who kept like making an elevator appear, which sent them shooting upwards. But yeah. as you say, I think I, I hear a lot of people go like raving about this, and I'm not sure. No, nor am I. Particularly maybe for it's, me, maybe it's not for our demo. Maybe this is a this is a younger person thing. I did. did. Well, that's it. They got all their like camera, the cameras out, and they're recording it for some purpose or whatnot, and they're all making quippy remarks. So yeah, maybe it, maybe we're too aged out. I think you liked it. I did. Right? I I mean, to be fair, like I, it's been it's being developed by Arcane Studios, who did both Dishonored one and two. And the Dishonored, whatever the third one was, the Legacy of the Outsider or something like that. And I, I played mm. both Dishonored one and two, and I really liked those games. They were challenging, um, especially if you wanted to go all stabby stabby, because you then ended up with the inevitable shit cascade of one fuck up permeates four fuck ups, which permeates twelve fuck ups, and so on and so on. Um, I feel called out. I, it happens to everyone. I stab one dude in the neck, and the next thing I know, I've got ten very angry men running towards me, and I'm like, "Oh great, I've got one load of whale oil. Let's lob that and see what happens." But I mean, those games were brilliant because the storytelling in them was so good. And if the you know narrative team at Arcane are now working on a, you know, okay, yes, it might be a kind of more young peoplely game to quote you old people in the room. <laughs> um, but you know, I kind of I like the idea that you've got a team that are you know well known for really good stories in a game doing something that's a little bit less gritty and realistic and a bit more kind of upbeat and campy and fun with vampires as well and i unfortunately am a you know bit of a sucker for a vampire game no pun intended um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was intended we know um just because really you know i played the legacy of kane games when i was a child i had nightmares about Soul Reaver as a kid because I was far too young and thought the monsters were real. And as a grown-up, have played those. I played that terrible game, Vampire with a Y, um, which we don't talk about. And, you know, I it excited me because it does it's doing something different that we've not seen very much in the vampires genre because most of the time in a vampire game, you get to play as a vampire because that's what we want. But to be able to hunt them is quite cool. I'm also, if I get to name my character, going to name them all various types of Van Helsings. And if I can make any of them look like Hugh Jackman, I will. I thought you were going to go... If I can make any of them look like Danny DeVito, I will. I thought you were going to go Buffy. I thought I thought that's what you were going to go with. I, I feel that's just, that just seems <laughs> a bit easy, though. Because then I'd literally just have the Scooby gang. I'd have Buffy, Xander, Willow, Giles, if right, I was an Scooby, old man. Scooby gang reminds me. What What did you... Okay, so Square Enix got a lot of... Uh, a lot of tar and feathers thrown at them during their announcements. But Guardians of the Galaxy? What do what we... What, what yes. a way to kick off a show. I mean, you know, right? here's a ga- here's a game and you just get that opening riff from one of the best power ballads of all time. I, you know, holding out for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. I just drew me in. I was like, oh my God, it's Guardians. We got Bonnie Tyler. We're getting an amazing soundtrack to a game that looks really cool. Just take my money already, basically. Yeah, I saw a lot of people criticising this because they were like, oh, it's just, it's it's not, it's B-rate Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, because they, they don't look like the film or whatever. Uh, and the voice acting isn't the voice actors. Like, well, no, nor was the Marvel game, which let's not talk about that because this looks totally different. Um, but this, I mean, okay, the gameplay looked manic uh, and maybe not in like the best way, but I, I will withhold judgment for now. But um, the actual sort of storytelling, like the quips, the the kind of writing uh, and the decision-based sort of gameplay elements looked a lot of fun to me. Um, this, this surprised me, actually. 
I mean, what drew me in That's what, um... was the fact that you're kind of, for the first time ever in a game that I've seen, the deci- your dialogue decisions match what the character's going to say. So instead of picking, like, doing the Mass Effect one, where you're like, oh, I'm going to pick this one, and it's just like, you know, vaguely agree, and your guy goes, I think you're a dickhead, but I'll do it. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not what I chose. I chose to agree. That's <laughs> insulting someone and begrudgingly accepting a task. Whereas on this one, it was just like, you know, sell Groot. And then, you know, Star-Lord's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we could sell Groot. I'm like, finally, dialogue choices that match what we're going to say. Love it. See, um, when like when it started up, I wasn't bothered. I mean, I'm not a huge Marvel person anyway. Guardians are pretty cool. Uh, the Avengers game looked shit, turned out to be shit. <laughs> As for them not looking like the uh, characters, though, I don't think they try to look like characters, and I think that's a very good thing. Like, if they tried looking like, um, oh, what's his name from Parks and Rec? Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pratt. <laughs> like, then one, you have to fucking deal with the fact that it isn't going to be voiced by him, and it's never going to look fully like him. So instead, they just go a different direction, which I assume maybe looks more like the comic book itself. And I think he looks well. Cool. That's the thing, um, you know. You're kind of they're working with Dan Abnett, who's you know kind of one of the people who's worked on Guardians of the Galaxy for years at Marvel Comics. And if he's sitting there going, "I worked with Square Enix to make this game as close to the comics as possible," they're not going to look like they do in the film because they're trying to do something I'd that's closer to the comic comics. Based. So yeah. Yeah, we've got a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, one thing in terms of the looks, I mean, Gamora looks fucking kick-ass. Uh, Drax? Drax? Drax the Destroyer? He looks like Kratos, right? Like, exactly like Kratos. just missing the beard. Uh, The the combat on this, though, um, that doesn't appeal to me too much. It didn't look, like, interesting. That's what was my turn-off for this, really. Like, uh, being able to control the other, sort of, four characters with what are, like, I guess, sort of D-pad input or or button input kind of and they do like a move Uh, you you know what again I will I will sort of withhold judgment because I've seen things that look this manic when you've had a bit of a go actually feel really great and it's it's a lot of fun I can't remember which game it reminded me of and it still hasn't it still hasn't come to me so that's that's great podcast audio I've done really well there (laughs) but um, no like it it could be good you know I I kind of always hark back to how great the Batman and Spider-Man games are when it comes to combat yeah, and though this doesn't look as tight as those, it doesn't mean it won't be good. But we'll see. I mean, and it's going to be a major part well, of the gameplay, so it, it needs to land. I'll say. I mean, the actual rest of it, the RPG elements of it, look really great. And as you say, the quips actually looks funny, genuinely funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would be interested in playing this. I just hope it's not that combat heavy. Or I mean, as you say, it probably will be. But I'd rather just go around making decisions and role playing as the guardians than actually getting into much in the way of fights. Yeah. Um, there is a game which doesn't get. I haven't really heard talked about much after, but it looks bat another kind of batshit insane one is the Atomic Heart. Who announced that? It was part of the Xbox show. Xbox show. Did anyone catch that at all? It is yeah, like... I saw it. Um, it was was it, it was a uh, first person. Like it's some Russia, sort of first Russian... person shoe. It's almost like a Russian looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's not. No, in fact, there's a couple of Russian games, but this is the one that's a bit crazy and looks a bit like uh, Bio. No, Biohazard. What am I thinking of? Bio- Bioshock. Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, but even more crazy. Now, this is a game I've not like. It's been on the back of my radar for a while. Like when it shows up on Steam and they're doing like you know pre, pre uh, like little bits of show of it, and it does look crazy. And I'm glad I'm actually going to get to try and play this. Even if it will probably be one, it will be too hard for me. But yeah, my my takeaway from this was that, it, like as you say, it just it was just like a wampy trailer. 
I, I have I have no clue other than other than it being sort of first. Yeah, it felt very Bioshock to me. I agree. It took me back to that um, mm. Xbox 360 release era where you had like um, so you had Bioshock, you had um, Fear. Um, there was like a few other first persons that felt really weighty. Like you, it was like there was a lot of melee combat, and it was it was very like kind of up in your grill. Um, it felt a bit like that, but obviously on a modern engine, so it looks great. But I have no clue what it's about, like not at all. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it more about it. Though, to be honest, um, one of I mean the one that got me most excited, to be fair, out of if we kind of swing back to Square Enix was um the anticipated Souls like. Final Fantasy game, Strangers of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Yes, which yeah, yeah. Who's going to make the first joke about chaos? I, I mean, to be fair, the, <laughs> the download was chaos. Chaos got in clearly into the files and created chaos because it took an additional day for us to be able to actually access it. After he said, and the demo will be available later on today, chaos struck. We couldn't get the demo for a day later. However, having now played the demo, it is ball-bustingly hard. I was like going into it again. It's a Final Fantasy game. They're saying it's a Souls like. Is it going to be that difficult? Am I going to get the shit kicked out of me? Am I going to feel like I'm being, you know, sodomized by a video game like I do when I play Bloodborne or Demon Souls? Turns out, yes, I bloody well did. I still have yet to beat the final boss and it dragged me across the floor. And it's, I quite liked it because it's obviously done with Team Ninja, who did obviously Ninja Gaiden and Neo. And I played a bit of the first Neo game and I was like, oh. This is a bit difficult, but to have kind of square go, we're just going to push the boat out a little bit. We're not giving you any other Final Fantasy stuff, which I'm not going to start on because we'll be here for another four hours while I rant about it. Um, damn you, Square. But to actually get that teeny tiny little bit where they're just like, we're trying something new. And everyone, you know, kind of like the Final Fantasy fandoms very much like, OK, we'll, we'll see what happens because we've had new before and new has been good. And new has also been very bad. Um but yeah, like now that the demo's out and I've kind of played a bit of the demo, I mean, obviously we don't know what we're going to get. You know, we've got Mad Dad, you know, his black mate and their small twink love child. I'm assuming that's the storyline going on there. That's what I got from it. Um, <laughs> mooching about, killing stuff, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That kind of, that was the only thing from the Square thing that kind of actually excited me, to be fair, because the rest of it was just like cape shit. It's like we start off with Guardians of the Galaxy and a banging soundtrack and it's like, and here's some more cape shit and here's some more stuff that you already know about and, oh, we're re-releasing all the original six pixel art Final Fantasy games in a bundle and I'm like... I might be too old to understand, but what's cape shit? I, it's, it's something that people refer to all the comic book bollocks as. Ah, you know, it's, okay. Fair it's, enough. It's been something that's been <laughs> floating around the internet for a while now and it's just referred to as, you know, my um, guild from Final Fantasy fourteen we constantly refer to every time more superhero stuff gets announced, we refer to it as cape shit. So, you know, Square Enix <laughs> was just like cape shit and life is strange. And then they were like, Oh, and you're going to complain at us. So here's a teeny tiny little bit of final fantasy. That's a bit different. Um, that, that wasn't different enough though, for me, like, like, like it looks too fast paced combat wise, like for a game that's meant, to, well, is it meant to be a souls? Like that's what we heard it was going to be. And that's why I guess I was kind of anticipating yeah, having played so, you know, it. one guy walking around swinging a sword very slowly and dramatically. If it, it, Having played the demo, it feels very Souls-like because although you've got team members, they don't do shit. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about... Work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They'll literally, they'll attack the enemies and occasionally get knocked down. They don't heal you or do anything useful like you would expect them to do in a Final Fantasy game. Like, I kind of, you know, always rely on that one person in my party who casts Cure on me because I don't have to then worry about it. Your party members are literally there just to kind of add a little bit of damage to things. Like, I spent most of my time playing that demo just getting the shit kicked out of me by things. In the How would you say game. it um, different... stacks up? So, I'm, I'm a big Final Fantasy fan and absolutely et up the uh, the 7 remake and thought the oh. combat was just delicious. It's um, phenomenal. So, but again, very quick pace. And if you, you know, if you go for it, are they kind of after story stuff where you can go into the uh, Shinra simulators oh. and, and take on like the big, the big, big bads? Yes. Like that was, that was rough. Like there were some really rough battles in there. So well, how would you say it stacks up difficulty wise? Is this, is this another level altogether or? It's, it has a little bit more forgiveness. So like, you know, when you're fighting the Marlboro and the fact that as long as you're standing really far away from it and you have Barrett standing there and eating bad breath constantly in the Shinra thing you can kind of blow up the Marlboro from range with fire spells. Or when you're okay. fighting Pride and Joy, you can just get behind it and kind of smack it and stuff. This is a step up because the enemies are a lot more aggressive and there are a lot more of them. Like, I went down this one, there's this one corridor where it starts off and you've got like a goblin and a bomb. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I've taken out several goblins. I've taken out one bomb. It's not going to be that difficult. Um, and then literally, as you approach the bomb, it kind of, the corridor kind of curls around and there are two more bombs and then a little bit past them there's a group of four and we go back to that you know fuck up cascade thing where i hit i hit aggroed the bomb and the two other ones started shooting at me with fire spells from range and i was like oh this has gone very bad very quickly and you've got limited potions they re they restock in the dark souls manner every time you kind of hit a you know a kind of floaty orb thing which is like a bonfire in dark souls so they'll respawn there but once you're out of potions you're out of potions and the final boss in that demo who I will not mention because people may not want to know who it is, but 
it's chaos though isn't it it's definitely it's chaos, chaos but with a question mark because we don't know if it is actually chaos <laughs> or not because they're keeping it ambiguous um but they're there to destroy chaos. but literally kicks the shit out you make one miss it is it's that similar to the whole kind of like bloodborne thing and like when you're fighting pride and joy or you know sephiroth in the seven remake on hard mode if you make a small error you need to react very fucking quickly, otherwise you are going to get the shit kicked out of you. But that's just against trash mobs in Origin. So if that's the route they're going down, then it's going to be really good, but a massive step up in terms of what we as Final Fantasy fans expect. Because obviously we're used to kind of... We like the challenge and we like the super bosses, but we like being able to take on the super bosses with every single limit break in the game and the best weapons and level 99 and stuff. Whereas this feels a lot more brutal and there are mechanics in it where... So, like, you can catch enemy attacks that are from range attacks and stuff, and then you can throw them back at them. But again, if you fuck that up, then you take a huge amount of damage, and your party are piss useless. There's no other way to describe them. The lads are absolutely terrible. I was expecting Final Fantasy XV level, oh, the lad will give me a hand, but dear God, they were bad. See, what worries me about that is that they're clearly there just for you to be able to make equips. They don't say anything. So it's going to be... They do say they don't. I've heard they say, say so things. little. Every time you die, they're like, oh my god, no, Jack! And I'm like, yeah. who the fuck but is Jack? That's just the demo. I know it's going to be in the game, they're going to be quippy, they're going to be Final Fantasy, but I suppose that's not a problem. We don't have that in a Souls-like, I suppose. It, I mean, from my perspective, it's exciting that Square mm. are kind of teaming up with Team Ninja to do this, kind of, and it is all in-universe, you know, I Final Fantasy 1 the storyline in that was revolutionary when it came out and it's still great now and the fact that this is technically a prequel to that potentially i don't know it's very ambiguous the storyline i can't quite work out where it sits in terms of the final fantasy one storyline whether it happens before or whether it happens i don't know we'll work that out. we'll probably find that out when the actual game launches next well whenever it's coming out knowing square in about mm. five years time but yeah for, as a final fantasy as a long time final fantasy fan it excites me because it's new but it also excites me because it's old and familiar at the same time yeah yeah i can see that it definitely is kind of a well as i say it's got a grown-up feel not necessarily with the writing of what we've seen so far but being that most you know final fantasy fans from the 90s games are full-blown adults who probably want a bit more of a challenge now it's quite nice that they have something that isn't just the standard turn-based combat rpgs but then we've not I been i don't think well i was gonna say we haven't had yeah, you know, turn-based in Final Fantasy hasn't kind of been a thing now since 15 came out, really. Like, 15 was a lot more dynamic, and 7's improved upon that. So, yeah. Mm. We'll see. So you were saying Glitch? I have no idea what I was saying. So let's, 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 let's <laughs> progress. Okay, Um. so we also... I just want to talk about the Avatar game before we move too much on from Ubisoft. Now, our Avatar's been a long time... Not well, it made a big impact when it came out, of course, and it is the biggest or the most profitable film. Maybe it's been beaten by Avengers now, but I think a lot less down to the fact that it was uh 3D, so it cost more at the time, like to buy a ticket for. Um, and of course, we've got like a million more films planned, and they're all going to be coming out at this point. But I never thought I'd actually have any interest in the game about Avatar, however, this looks fucking awesome, right? No. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be your antithesis right here. No. Um, Go for it. I, no, you made a comment, actually, when we because we were chatting during this uh, Ubisoft mm. um, release stuff, and you made a comment about it, actually. And I think you said, is 
is Avatar still a thing? Or is Avatar still cool? Or, or whatever you kind of said. Something along those lines. And that yeah. was my exact thought. Was like, now, I know James Cameron, yeah, is mowing, you know, like, mowing through these. And they're going to be releasing thick and fast whenever they decide to finally release the second one. But, you know, it was big at the time because of, as you say, the, the kind of cost they put into it and the graphical sort of, you know... Uh, enormity. It's like the first proper three D film. Yeah, but yeah. it was and it was so immersive and it was so like the, it was you know it was deep and colourful and and now the story itself yeah the story itself in my opinion was was, was fairly poor. Um, there's like a really old animated film um, called Fern Gully that was is that is the exact uh, plot of Avatar. We're getting we're going away from the game here, but my point is it it didn't feel new to me when it came out, and I think it was just that visual sort of impact that that got a lot of people into the cinema mm. so i'm not going to discredit it in that regard i think as a as a feat of like visual engineering and sort of and beauty yeah probably unmatched but f- to then release a game what are we now probably at, at least years. 10 years later it's been about yeah. a de- it's been just over a decade i think cause it came out 2010 right right i mean that's it's like the equivalent of them releasing like another smurfs game now or something or you know, or just I mean this is another Smurfs game. Yeah, that was I mean but... that's why yeah, that's why that's why I use that comparison. Like I don't it, But I, I mean if they release like say another Terminator game now, does it make it irrelevant? I'm not defending actually how relevant that game is as a or oh, sorry, how relevant Avatar as an IP is, but it's going to become relevant. There's no way that these next few films are gonna come out and just be flops. True, true. Really? They're gonna put too much money into it for it to do that. Like even if they they're not gonna be bad films and they're definitely gonna be marketed. Like just from having it as James Cameron, and he himself will make sure that they're marketed well enough. So that's gonna bring up the popularity of that IP. But ignoring the IP at all, if if this wasn't a film before that, just getting to go around on a kind of open world, flying around on those big ass birds, uh, also potentially playing in mech suits. I mean, I don't know what a game's gonna be if it's gonna be like what I'm hoping for is maybe a two a split campaign so you get to play a campaign as humans you know mech suiting your way through these um indigenous creatures and then a campaign as the uh what are they called avatars smurfs that'll do um <laughs> and fly around on their things because of yeah I, th- I think i just think that'd be a fun thing to do regardless of the film i think okay. if this came out with no context of the film i think it still looks like a good game it feels like then and i'll give you i'll give you some credibility back with that you're right absolutely true what you've just said uh it feels like though it feels like if it is a split campaign or even if it's not feels a little Mm. bit warcrafty as in old school warcraft not not world of warcraft the sort of orcs versus humans Mm. kind of vibe the gameplay itself again we didn't see a huge amount but it looks it looks it doesn't look like anything new again and that's that's my worry like it feels like this could be any other game like a horizon zero dawn um Maybe even kind of akin to like a Breath of the Wild or Skyward Sword sort of feel of, of the, you know, as you say, fly around the birds and that big kind of open sort of space to do that. But again, probably Horizon Zero Dawn, like it has that kind of feel. Um, I guess so. But I mean, so not every game is going to come out with something brand new. No, no. And I think this is probably fine. Like I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what other animals you can do your weird tail sex with and like suddenly control like each their own there's some exciting things to learn about (laughs) there's some there's some exciting things about this that i'm just uh you know excited for but i'm also i'm a big fan of ubisoft and i know they get a lot of shit for just being kind of like cookie cutter in terms of their like open world sandbox games um but i spend a lot of hours on those open world sandbox games having fun that's what i was (laughs) so like sorry i was gonna say that like 
is that not the point the glitch is making that you know it kind of you could literally slap any other label on this it could be any other game you know you could literally just slap a label on it as assassin's creed aliens because yeah, it's a, fine. because it's that. an ubisoft game and ubisoft just kind of sit there and go we're going to make another huge sandbox game and someone at ubisoft goes great let's do it what's this one gonna be about i don't know what's what's coming in and what's going to be great in the next couple of years well james cameron's going to do an avatar franchise let's make a game about that because we can just make That's another fine. huge sandbox all right, here you That's go. That's fine. Here you really. go. I'll give, it, I'll give it this credit. It could be one of the best movie tie-in games that comes out because you're yeah. absolutely right. Ubisoft have stepped their game up so much in the in the past few years. Like we can't deny that. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily always agree with their ethics and their sort of the way they like run their uh, you know releases and DLC and you know all that sort of stuff, but microtransactions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's, that's a whole other podcast. But that aside. It could be great. It could be great as a tie-in to the film. And as you say, sales will go through the roof if they tie it in with the release, which they will. Um, you know, that's that's surely on, on, their, on their radar. So, yeah. yeah, they're nothing if not business savvy. So that, that looks to me what they'll do. So maybe it will be good in that respect. I just, I guess as, a, as an IP and as something to pull me in, I just wasn't, I wasn't blown away. Um, yeah. But, you know. That's fair. Again, it's, it's a long way off. And uh, I will be interested when it, when it comes out to see how it does. Interestingly, if it had shown everything there, if they'd shown cool aliens with, you know, flying creatures and they'd shown mech suit marines, would it have interested you more if it didn't have the word Avatar attached to it? Well, that's that's the question, isn't it? Because would it would have it appeal to you more if it didn't? Because you said, you know, you weren't necessarily a... I don't care about Avatar itself as a film. Um the only thing it may, I think Avatar maybe brings more to it is like I have seen Avatar and I've seen that they got cool creatures and like I've seen the general kind of vibe of that world. So at least I kind of have a deeper understanding of what the rest of that world's going to look like. Is the world called Pandora? Um, yeah, the world's called yes, Pandora. Yes, that's it. And Pandorans are the people. There's a lot of that, isn't that? Because Borderlands is set in Pandora. Yep. Um, <laughs> a lot of that going on. Greek mythology never seems to uh, dry up in terms of right. naming and inspiration for things. I'm going to steal the thread. Because Go for another it. world that looks really interesting with interesting creatures and uh, other stuff. Instinction, the Dino Crisis spiritual sequel, has has me on hooks. All right, so I I've watched the trailer for it, and I want to see more. The trailer was far too dark for me to really see what was going on. I'm hoping it is a Dino Crisis survival horror, so I can watch someone play it because <laughs> like that won't be a game I'll play. But it is a game that would interest me greatly. Um, I hope it isn't just like an open world with dinosaurs, though. No, you know, not necessarily Ark, but like, but yeah, if if if, if it's a bit too open, it'll be a bit. I, I don't think that'd be good. I, I'd prefer it to be a nice claustrophobic, locked down world where there's dinosaurs. But I'm not sure what the plot is when it says things like uh, "We came here to help them" or something. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No. So Hash uh, Hashbane have actually come out and said that as as a group they. Every year at sort of E3 or anything like that, they waited for a Dino Crisis announcement and they never got it. So they decided, well, we're going to do it then. And like they have literally, you know, they can't have the IP, but they they have basically come out and said, we love it so much that we wanted to bring the next one out. So that so I think mm. they will be very loyal to that the feeling and the vibe. And it's just that shot of the female protagonist backed up to that kind of crate looking thing, uh, and there's yeah. that dinosaur creeping up before it does like the big roar. Um, horrifying like and it dinosaurs are you know they're 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 done the dirty in the video game world you don't see enough of this like there there should have been by now 
an insane Jurassic Park game where you you know it's terrifying and you are on the run from the dinosaurs. So this this is it. This is the one. They 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 finally finally found this little niche window and they're gonna open it wide. Was that shot of her around the corner? Is that taking gameplay or is that just sort of a trailer? Because I, I want to know if it's like a third person over shoulder or if it's a uh, first person kind of perspective. So I thought a lot of the show in looks first person. Yeah, apparently. And again, they haven't. This was in an interview that I, I read, kind of around the game. Um, apparently, you can you can flick, or the game does flick between third and first person. So I think a lot of the okay. it looks like a lot of the exploration stuff you can go to first person. Um, but it kind of suggests you have a choice. But if it doesn't, I think maybe that is more the cutscene, and it will be first person. Um, but as I say, I that- personally hope it to be over, you know, like a third person. I think, like, say the uh, Resident Evil Two remake yeah. look would suit that kind of thing better when you've got like a dinosaur chasing you from behind and you can kind of just about see it like appear on you. I think that would be a perfect way to do that. Also, it would then remove the need for that horrible thing that game designers keep pushing on us, which is first-person platforming. I love, I love no, the first thing. It's, first person platform is it's fine. It's awful. You've got no spatial awareness. It's just like, am I on the edge? You've got no spatial awareness. That <laughs> might not, be I'm true. First person platforming is terrible. <laughs> you were not a Mirror's Edge fan then? I enjoyed Mirror's Edge to a degree. It was a very beautifully stylized game. But when I'm trying to run away from people and I think I'm near the edge of a building, so I hit the jump button and I jump into the edge of the building and then get shot and killed because I don't have that mm. kind of like what's going on around me stuff I was not very happy. Do you think that's a uh, you problem? It's not just me. <laughs> there are people, there are <laughs> hundreds of people out there who agree with me that first person platforming is terrible. Shots fired it used to be podcast. bad. Shots fired. <laughs> it used to be a bad a bad to play kind of thing back on old consoles because you know, it was clunky, but um, I think it's fine. Though I don't think this game's going to have that. I mean, if it's prefer- if there's platforming, it's going to be climbing a box because it's not. it doesn't look like the kind of game you're going to be jumping and leaping across things, right? No, I get the impression it's going to be more of that stealth, don't get spotted element, but then if you do, you've just got to mm. apps. You've either got to mow it down with all of your bullets or you've just got to leg it and find Cheese it. find safety. I almost kind of wish it was in the uh, in the locked camera position of like the old Resident Evil and old Dino Crisis. As pain in the ass as those that that kind of is, it kind of did have a nice effect on Dino Crisis the game. Well, it, you know, when, it like, sets you'd up... have it from an angle and it would smash through the yeah the uh, window. Well, it sets up good set pieces like that because then you don't have a choice of where mm. you're looking. Like I have I have in games missed um, like key moments of kind of I guess scares or that kind of thing because I've been looking at something else and then the game has. As you say, someone came flying through a wall and you weren't looking, but you kind of you hear it, and maybe this this actually lends credence to uh, Riku's spatial unawareness. Um, like you know, you're like, oh, well, where's that coming from? And then you've already missed the kind of key moment. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't actually think I've, I've played anything by Hashbane, or if they've even ever released anything else. Whether this is their first kind of swing, but um, so I don't have anything to kind of base it on, and whether they're going to be good or bad. But I guess that's good. You know, it's nice for, mm. like going there with no sort of. Uh, preconceptions so i'm gonna name a couple of the games here and if you guys haven't watched anything about it i won't bother going on about them because of why would i so there was a game called uh here i've lost it well stalker for one yeah did you check that out what did you think um so i've not played the this is the sequel right i've not played the first one um it's a sequel but it's a sequel to a game that's like 20 years old this it might as well be a reboot 
No, so yeah, I don't, I don't have any sort of enormous knowledge of this. Mm. Uh, it looked good though. It did look, did look good. Graphically, it looked fucking beautiful. Yeah. And there was a scare in there and made me genuinely like, ah, the mo- it yeah, appeared on screen because I was looking down for a moment. It's like a that weird, weird uh, monster thing that popped up towards the end of it. I was like, oh god, no. Yeah, it was like octopusy face uh, kind like of thing. Dead space kind of necromorph. Squid, kind of. Squidward's been looking for work since Futurama Squidward. got uh, yeah. Um, so that looked quite cool. Zoyberg I mean, that's another even. shooter, but Zoyberg. it actually looks very. I was going to say, Squid. I mean, I was going to crack into some SpongeBob. Either but... would work. <laughs> I think I'd rather. I think Zoidberg's slightly more terrifying than Squidward, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is what that monster had. It had the little things from its chin and that, and it yeah, it's pretty gross. So, game I would probably play. I'll maybe play. I don't know. I I always talk myself up big when I'm on this to you know sound like I'm going <laughs> to play these horror games, but then I realise it's just it's probably not going to happen. Um, the Sea of Thieves. That excited me. I've never played Sea of Thieves. I've always just looked at it and gone, oh, no, thank you. That doesn't look very good. But then they were like, boom, we're, we're teaming up with Disney. And all of a sudden I was like, just take my money because it's Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and I love Pirates of the Caribbean. So, yes. So I might actually play I mean, it's the dream team. I just... like, dream team up for like that, that game to get Pirates of the Caribbean IP in there somewhere. Like I used to play that game all the damn time and to have uh, sort of stopped because of eh, just, you know, you, you can't go in that game and play an hour. You have to play five. Like, otherwise you kind of get nothing out of it. You go dig your chests and stuff and it's definitely a game to play with people. But I like it. They're trying to, imp- you know, bring in these additional could be single player elements like a story campaign elements. I just like the idea that I mean to be fair like I kind of looked at it and I I used to be kind of this purist person where I was like no I can't I can't deal with Pirates of the Caribbean if it doesn't have the voice of the original cast but after playing Kingdom Hearts 3 with a guy who was doing a very bad Bill Nye impression doing Davy Jones in that game which made me just go oh no thank you <laughs> I'm now over that so I'm just like do you know what I might actually play Sea of Thieves if I get to uh, go up against Davy Jones, but then I'm probably going to be, you know, what's a bit like three, four years since that game dropped. I'm going to be like so underleveled, it's just not going to be worth it. I don't, Well, the levels don't make a difference. A level 50 and a level 1 are the same power. It's just, you're just firing cannibals. But what's the point of a leveling system? Well, the, oh, God. So you can get, uh, there isn't really. I mean, I think it's like unlocks like different cosmetics, but yeah, you your skill is all that matters in there. I'm going to, Obviously, the more you've played, the more skilled you'll be. But um, no, I think a few of the commies are willing to play this. So when this comes out, I'm I'm looking to jump in it because they got a few new enemies as well. Some weird clam-headed monster, some crab monster, and uh, actual mermaids that look like you know they aren't just a statue. So yeah, I'm down for this. What about you, Glitch? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's not one that I've played, and I gotta say, I, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, and so this this did kind of remind me of that. And I have a weird sort of this is rare, isn't it? Rare make. See of these. It is, yeah. Banjo Kazooie's rare. So, look, I, growing up, rare were my favourite developer, like Donkey Kong, Killer Instinct, um, yeah, Banjo Banjo Kazooie, GoldenEye, yeah, Perfect Dark. They were just unstoppable. And then, obviously, Microsoft bought hmm. them just after the N64 era. And since then, I think they've been really hit and miss. But actually, this is one that does really appeal to me. I've never played it, so maybe like Riku, this is a this is a great time to actually uh, chuck on me wooden leg, get cracking down that, that, <laughs> that oh, yes. boardwalk. I'm gonna start wearing dreadlock wigs and stuff and pirate hats around my house just I mean, because i know I can. people can't see this but you already are doing that and i assume that was just your normal attire perhaps, well, I, would, perhaps not. I mean i thought i'd get <laughs> dressed up for the for the podcast to be fair get into character and stuff because i knew we'd talk about this at some point we thought the hook hand was a bit much though it's making honest. it very difficult yeah. to drink it's it doesn't quite fit the can <laughs> of pepsi it doesn't um the other 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 things i was looking for oh 
The Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. Didn't see it. You're gonna go after and tell us about this. Okay, so I love Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Like, I, it filled every vampire fantasy I've ever wanted. I got to play as a very attractive vampire who, unfortunately, was terrible in combat because I spent all of my time on charisma and sociability points, so I could allure people into my vampire den and drink their blood. But if I had to get into mandatory fights, my guy would get like you know slapped across the face once and would fall into a puddle. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Swan Song. It looks very RPG heavy, but we have been promised Bloodlines two, and I'm like, hmm. I isn't this Swan Song a battle royale? I think it looked. I don't know if that was Swan Song. If that was a different because it dropped. No, it is. No, no, it's Swan Song. It looks very battle royale, and I don't know how I feel about that because, like, Vampire the Masquerade was all very. You know, you had your different types of vampires. You had your cool, sexy vampires. You had your horrible gremlin monster vampires that lived in the sewers and are what I would assume Charlie from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia would be if he was a vampire. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it just... If it's RPG and story-driven, it could be absolutely amazing. But if it's more Battle Royale and having to play with loads of people across the globe, I'm probably not going to touch it. But I suppose I would just... Pretty sure that is what we'll it is, have to just, to well, I would just have to wait like if it's more like um the kind of shonen jump dragon ball z games and uh naruto and one piece games where they're like you know big battle brawlery things where you're battling like groups of npcs i might play it i might be kind of inclined to give it a go but i it's one of those games where i need to know a bit more about it and i want to see some actual proper gameplay footage like in more detail i know enough about it to know i don't think you're going to be interested it is a shooter it is a battle royale-esque shooter fighting in vampire world there is a blood uh, ma- vampire the masquerade sequel coming got, out this is what i mean we're still uh, waiting for was... bloodlines 2 but that seems to have been yeah. perpetually put on hold for about two or three years now since they announced it and i'm a bit like don't give us this just give us bloodlines 2 so i can it was announced i think that we got like a trailer for it last year yeah with but a then really cool some development problems string person yeah with a great uh it was like in german i can't remember the the song but yeah it was a great great video really creepy because they had the uh, puppet of people yeah that's what i mean I, that's, that's, oh, I look really... so i want that <laughs> i don't know about swan song i'm i'm intrigued i would say at the moment i'm intrigued more than want to play it but I will probably invariably mm. just end up playing it anyway because I genuinely really do like Vampires. the Vampire the Masquerade kind of style of games and stuff. And who doesn't want to play as a sexy vampire that you can make yourself? I mean, I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire. Starting to, uh, starting to uh, get a vibe for your kink over here, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no comment. No comment at all. Uh, I'm just gonna... he, says, he says tearing the posters down behind I'm him. I'm just like ripping the angel of angel <laughs> and spike posters are coming off the wall now. He's got that he's got that <laughs> hook, hook hand to good use now, just ripping holes in his wall. Tearing him down. <laughs> uh, speaking of terrifying games, um I watched the Future Game Show, which was on super super late on the Saturday night, I think. Um mm. and they had a game called Happy Game. Did any of you guys catch this? I watched it, yeah, Not I did. All, tell me. I was a uh, very very akin to like Little Nightmares or Inside Limbo, all those kind of pla- like the kind of platform games that are just entirely bizarre concepts. But this one looked kind of grotesque in- and sort of really visual horror. Is it bright and colourful? No, no, it's. No. Oh, okay. I mean, that's not the one I found. No, I mean it is, but it also isn't. Like it's horrifying. So it's it's like got these giant big yellow smiley faces, but then also yes, yeah, that's the one I'm looking at well, here. Yeah, I would say after the pod, go and listen to. Go and watch the trailer without me saying any more. But um, these these are starting to saturate the kind of indie market a little bit. There's a lot of them now. It's small child, scary world. 
yeah, some are good, some are kind of not so good. I loved um, Inside and Limbo. I thought they were really, really solid. Um, and then I played Little Nightmares and was really enjoying it. And then I thought the ending was kind of abrupt and a bit rubbish. But um, again, I'll, I'll, this is one that I'll play. The demo's out, actually, so I might give it a, give it a crack on the Switch. Um, There's one uh, you'll probably... like. Did you see Somerville? During the Xbox showcase, it's by the people that did, uh, uh, by the studio from Limbo and um, Inside, but it's rather it's it's a bit more than just two D, so it still looks like you're kind of along fairly set paths. Uh, stylized wise, you know, it's not heavy on the graphics. Yeah, yeah. In the very much the same way, but yeah, that that, that looks interesting anyway. I, I I don't know if it's something it'll be for me, um, but certainly something I'll give it a go anyway. Yeah, definitely. The one I wanted to um, mention, and I don't, I say I don't know if you would have paid attention to it at all, is replaced. Yeah, you mentioned this, the platformer. This was this was Xbox as well, right? It was, yeah. And it's like when it started up, and it's this two D platformer, slightly pixel art, and I just immediately was like, oh, I'm never going to play this because there's a ton of those games at the moment, uh, you know, like um, Zero Katana and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I just wasn't too interested. In, but and as I watched the trailer, I don't know it looks pretty fucking awesome i agree to be I, honest i agree totally um i've got a lot of time for this sort of thing i think again definitely stylistically slightly different but things like hades um and that that kind of ilk that are taking things back to either isometric mm. or yeah as you say pixel or kind of that kind of thing just doing a really good job now because it's we can get to the point where you know these visuals are created not through necessity like they used to be but through stylistic choice so they are just beautiful like talking about sort of like fez or something like that you know those kind of games that just draw on the past but but make it beautiful um but this looked great i mean this had a this to put me in the mind of like blade runner um or, mm, or yeah. maybe like i say it's got that cyberpunky feel to it hasn't it or yeah. a bit noir almost yeah I'll, I'll, yeah i think i've got time for this yeah and, and you say though, like not every game needs to be super realistic graphics or done in 3d and i do like the way things can now kind of come out and come to light and be seen by a lot of people like Hades won so many awards last year and it's not exactly like you know this isn't your last of us two kind of award winner where everything's super realistic looking um it's just a fun game to play to be fair like Hades stylistically I know it's not E3 related but the stylization of Hades and just everything about that like I've not still not finished it I still can't beat the final boss because well daddy clearly wants to beat the crap out of his son Spoiler alert. Uh, but it just is a game that you can draw. It's, I like it because unlike, you know, I tend to spend most of my time playing these huge, massively 100-hour long JRPGs, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, you know, all of those sorts of games. And actually, it's quite nice to have these more kind of more casually focused, isometric, stylized games where you can kind of just drop in. Like, I've still sunk, I can sit there and play Hades for about three or four hours and then be like... I can now just walk away from it because I have died quite a lot and I've got a load of upgrades and stuff. And I, it's nice that, like you say, we've got we're at a point now in this kind of, in the industry where we can make these where designers and developers can make these decisions to go. Actually, we're not going to make some massively expensive, super realistic, hyper three D, four K, sixty FPS, beautiful thing. We're going to choose to make something that's a bit a little bit more subtle and nuanced with the stylistic choices and stuff. And I think that's really helping especially indie developers kind of get their foot in the door because it's allowing these really beautiful games to be made. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Uh, well, so 
Hades was announced actually, wasn't it? Uh, this E3 for it was. Xbox yes. Game Pass. So yes. it, you're, you are well within relevance still. Don't worry. Um, yep. <laughs> totally no, on track. You know what? Right. So you you brought up a really interesting point there about picking and choosing kind of your like game length and and sort of the experience that you're going to give to the gamer. Um, the, I'm going to make a bit of a weird nerdy comparison here, but like it's it's very similar to how you know you get these sort of either enormous blockbuster films that are super long or maybe like a novel that is really kind of uh, indulgent in, in itself and then mm. you get these people come out with like an independent film that is either like a short film or something that you know doesn't have like the kind of usual runtime and actually makes more of an impact on you or you might read like a yeah like a short story or like a you know a debut novel that's a lot shorter than the these kind of like lengthy ones and again you come away with more of a more of an experience and more of an emotional response and i think Stuff like Hades and, yeah, hopefully, you know, like some of these titles that we have seen, so maybe, maybe you know, Happy Game or uh, Replaced or, or whatever. Um, maybe we're going to get more of an experience because actually we're really saturated now with these, as you say, these sprawling, like, 100-hour mammoths. Yeah. That, I'll be honest, you know, you get, you get, you know, you get into the real world of having a, having a job and, you know, you've got Callie whipping you for articles, like, left, right and centre. And, you know, <laughs> you don't have time to play as many games as you used to or put, or put in the hours. And I think, Sometimes it's nice to sit down, as you say, just go, you know what, I've got an hour. I'll play I'll play Hades for an hour, or I'll put an hour into... Undertale or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I totally agree with you on that. I think there is a, really a place for these, and that's why I like stuff like 12 Minutes that they've announced. You know, you think that isn't going to swallow an entire month of my life. Um, no, it, you can knock out a few rounds of it into... A, well, yeah, like just 12 I was minutes. Say, you can have a couple know, of attempts at... I'm going to go make myself a cup of coffee at work, and I'm just going to, you know, quickly do a single loop on 12 minutes and then be like wow that went to shit cool back to work you know it exactly was one of the things like um it was announced that nintendo the little game and watch yes now i had no interest until i kind of well until i uh latimer gave us an article on it and i then looked at what the games kind of looks like and one of them was a bit more of a mario looking version of zelda that's that, that's, side scroll that's, uh, zelda 2 i was yeah. gonna say it's old school zelda yeah and like and I kind of see the appeal of that, like keeping one of those in your pocket when you're at work, waiting for the coffee machine to, you know, like finish doing your thing. You can just quickly whip it out, have a quick game on something very simple. Right. So, yeah, um, I, I was, I mean, I've already pre-ordered this. Like the second it was announced, it was, it was in my basket. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm a really huge fan of the original sort of Zelda games. And also to be fair, that just that era of game in any way for Nintendo. Um, hmm. Like I get it. They are, they are by today's sort of standards maybe a little bit limited, maybe a little bit um, kind of un- underdeveloped in, in sort of areas. But these are, these are the ones that led the way, especially the original Zelda game. Like every Final Fantasy game sort of from, from you know, from the beginning picked up from Zelda, like the, the top-down exploration. Yeah, that um, beautiful kind of pixel like, art stylization and everything else came from those games. Yeah, and like, you know, so many kind of back back in the very early days, so many other game developers said, yeah, we, Zelda is the one for us that really inspired ev- everything, like Metroid. I know we just talked about that earlier. Metroid, originally, they said we want to take the Mario Brothers platforming and Zelda's exploration and smash them together. And that's where Metroid came <laughs> from. <laughs> but yeah, to have those on, like these Game & Watch consoles originally, they, they, they were one of Nintendo's sort of first sort of console releases. They only used to have like one game on them and it was really simple. It was like the like the juggling game, which was called Ball. Or like this one's got one called That's Vermin. That's just for the two moving, yeah, and like this Vermin one where it's just like you whack them all. There's only a limited amount of um, black areas on screen it has, and it just goes between them, doesn't it? Yeah, and for this one to have 
um, three full games because it's also got Link's Awakening, which was a Game Boy, the Game Boy game, which I know has just been remade for the Switch. But that's a that's a chunky game, um, and to have that, as you say, on a little portable console, um, crystal clear screens as well. If you if I'm basing it on the Super Mario one that came out this year, um, no, hey, last year. Woolies be Woolies have save functions. Yes. Ah, okay, so that makes all the difference, because I thought these might just be one of those, you know, you power it on, and when you've turned it off, you restart in your progress, and I thought for a game like Mario, okay, for a game like Zelda, you want to be able to save your progress, right? Yeah, I, well, so even the original Zelda was, uh, to sit down and do that in one sitting would have been quite a task. Like, it's a very big game, mm. and it requires it requires you to backtrack a lot if you go the wrong, kind of go to the wrong dungeon first, and it's a very difficult kind of thing without, without having certain items or uh, certain level of health or whatever so yeah if you've not played them um and i know they are on the switch i think one of the criticisms was that um zelda one and two are actually on the switch online membership like um nez and like nez app thing but yeah but as you say you can't you can't i suppose you can't take your switch to work but you know what i mean like as you say it's got that lovely it doesn't just fit in your pocket you can actually just sneak away to the toilet and no one will notice that that's in your pocket and go play that and shirk off work for i was gonna say until you come back an hour later and your boss goes that was the longest poop anyone has ever had here. And you just go, yes, it was. Like, what are they going to do about it? <laughs> Can't fire you for pooping. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Glitch is like, what have I done? Why did I bring this up? Um, to jump into something far from Zelda, I don't know if it's any, I mean, it's not really my type of game, but I do have to give it some appreciation, uh, is Forza 5. Yeah, graphically speaking, looks it, absolutely phenomenal. Unreal. Although I have to, I'm going to have to bring this up. I brought it up with you guys. Everybody, and you didn't pronounce it this way just now, Callie. Everybody on the stream pronounced it as Forza, For, like ah, not, good. not not Forza. And I've I've never heard anyone pronounce it as Forza. But everybody on the stream, so I guess the people in the know, call it Forza. Forza. I'm glad you noticed that because when you brought that up in the thing, I then started saying it to myself in my head. I was like Forza, Forza. I- Forza. No, I can't remember what I say. So yeah, no. If that's I say Forza, do I? That's well, that is what you just said. Naturally. Yeah. But um Okay. Away from that, yeah, absolutely jaw dropping. Like good God. That this is when you sort of pictured what games might look like, you know, when you were sort of growing mm. up, this this is that. They have smashed it. We're getting to the point that it, it looks better than real life. You know, like yeah. Yeah. I wanna get in a car <laughs> I wanna get in a car that looks like that, not in not in my car, you know what I mean? There's um a game called Project Mara. Uh, coming out at some point. I don't have a clue what the game's about, but they've basically mapped out this entire apartment and then like recreated it. And like it includes things like the like dust particles on the floor are rendered. <laughs> what? And like there's some images that's just like the inside of the sink and there's and like the top of a countertop and they've got like the side by side comparison of like the real one and then in the game and honestly the game just looks better. <laughs> like walk grounds and like stuff like the sea the actual ocean in Sea of Thieves like I saw a picture of the ocean the other day that my uh, brother texted me because he was down there and yeah. I was like man that's almost as good as Sea of Thieves so yeah we, we've replaced real life now yeah I mean so I played I think it was oh, was it Forza 3 that came out on Xbox 360 release it was it was one of the first games about that time that sounds right yeah yeah I bought a console that came with it um Again, mm. not really my thing, but I thought, well, I've got it, so I'll, I'll give it a spin. Um, even then, I was blown away by that. So they've kind of maintained that level of sheen. And you know what, as well, they've really, I think they've probably become, and I'm, I'm totally speaking out of turn here as someone that is not a like driving sim aficionado, but I would say they've t- sort of taken pole position when it comes to 
like the the driving sim now, like Gran Turismo. I think gone. that's correct. Yeah, like yeah, people in that kind of like a uh, racing game world choose. I mean, Gran Turismo has been a while since it's been. I don't recognize. Ben. I know there is one coming out, and I have seen some screenshots, and it also looks phenomenal from what I can tell. Uh, but yeah, like with Forza, Forza Horizon Four it came out, the one that was based in the UK, I gave that a go mostly because of it was in the UK, so I kind of wanted to go, you know, drive around it. Um, which is weird because I can literally do that, but <laughs> you know, it's nice seeing your own landscape. But, um, but with Forza Horizon, the one in the UK, um, I, by the way, do mm. not play racing games at all. I do not understand them. If I want to drive a car, I'll get in my car and then go and sit on the M3 for three hours. Those games do allow you to drive down British roads and not get stuck behind tractors, which is both amazing and very unrealistic. <laughs> that is the most unrealistic thing about it. Like they were on about um, potentially remaking GTA London, and I thought, but you'd, why? Like, like you would lose, like, get in your car to do a mission, and you don't arrive for another four hours, and it's only ten minutes down the road. I was going to say you'll be sitting there with the timer literally on the mission, just going down as you slowly sit there and go, "Great, I'm just stuck in static traffic. I should just get out of my car and walk." And you'll get out of the car, and it would just say, "Mission failed." Yeah, we indi- go into the, uh, yeah. London and. So I say you go into London and then your uh, cash is just going down because you've entered the lower mission zone. That's it. Yeah. Or you just you're sat literally indicating to pull out your parking space for the entire mission. That that is the mission. Like getting get, <laughs> get someone to let you into traffic. You have to go around several blocks just trying to find somewhere to park up, ready to uh, rob a bank. <laughs> and there'll be some wonderful taxi missions where everyone that gets in, you have to sit there and go. So basically, my view on this political standpoint is this: and if you pick the wrong option, you will fail the mission. If they include racist cabbies in GTA London, I mean, it would make it hyper-realistic, but ugh. <laughs> I guess you get the option to beat them up, so that, that's quite nice. Yeah, I'd say this is this is the joy of, as you say, you can you could get in your own car, but you can't yeah, drive at 70 miles an hour down any road in the UK without traffic, mm. as, you've, as you've rightly pointed out. And yeah, you can't beat up a taxi driver. Uh, so. <laughs> hey, uh, there is a game, the Watchdog London, which seems to have done quite a good job of recreating it, and it is in quite you know excellent graphics. Oh, Watchdog Legion. Um, I've not played it. I've heard it sound, you know, it's quite cool. But um, what I am quite interested in is like, they've got a zombie like edition coming out. I mean, so the streets are zombie packed. Are we excited about in that? London's pretty fun? Are we excited about yeah. that, or are we just looking at this with a slightly more cynical tint on it, going? Is this just the game industry going, um, we feel the need to put zombies in a game, so here's a zombie DLC because we feel like this is what we should be doing at the moment? If it was Watchdog read... Vampires, you would be all over this week. I... Okay, yeah, I will hold my hands up to that. If it was Watchdog Legion's cool Vampire Horde, I would be like, let's go, people. <laughs> Head down to Cyberdog For... and fake I, London. I would. I, yeah, fake London, go to Cyberdog and just stand there and just be like, come to me, vampire people. So, um, actually, then while we're on Ubisoft, Far Cry, we did see a bit more from that, including Gus from Breaking Bad having an incredibly dramatic scene of finding his son hiding in some, you know, boat trying to escape him, presumably, playing around with the guys and then just, well, saying he's going to let him go, walking to the top, and then everything goes dark, bullet fires through. And honestly, I've no real interest in Far Cry until that, and now, then I saw that and was like, this is a damn good bad guy right here. He played that so well. I think that was part of their thing, though, wasn't it? They were talking about the new Far Cry game, and then they lovely, they beautifully segued into talking about how we've got Moff Gideon playing the bad guy in this. And um, we're just going to slowly segue into, we've also got this brilliant DLC where you get to play as the three most famous villains 
from the last three Far Cry games because we just decided we wanted to do something that's very villain focused. And I like I I've dropped in and out of some of the Far Cry games, and the things that do stand out to me are the villains. Their villains are so well written. And now that we have the ability to play as them, I'm actually looking at going, oh, I might have to get Far Cry 6 just so I can play as the villains. I've never played them. I played Far Cry 2 briefly, and it was too hard, like too realistic, you know, the way you're popping out bullets from your arm and such. Um, but I know the villains from each of those games from seeing videos on them because they do have a lot of personality. And I think, yeah, Gus, or I don't actually know the actor's name, but, you know, Gus. <laughs> so um, it's... Um... Juan Carlo something. Espos- uh, Esposito? That's it. Juan Carlo Esposito. That's yeah. It, yeah. Is that actually his name? Yeah. Honestly, that doesn't ring any bells. Like, I literally just hear him as Gus from, you know, Hule Loco. Or I mean, I could, have, I, could have pronounced it, I could have pronounced it incorrectly. Um, Still, <laughs> that doesn't sound at all familiar. I think I keep hearing him as just Gus or, uh, yeah, what's the guy Moff from Star Gideon. Wars? Moff Gideon. So... But he just, I know, he sold that scene to me. Like, he's made me kind of want to play that game. Don't know about you guys. Um, I'm the same as you. I played a really old Far Cry and wasn't all that taken by it, to be honest. It didn't feel it didn't feel like anything special. But I think I came in before, as you guys just pointed out, like, the really iconic villains were introduced, which, as you say, might have given it a lot more character and, and sort of narrative heft. Mm. Um, but again, another one of those that I feel like I missed the boat and now I'm not that bothered about going back. But this one, again, I, you're right, it's the casting. This one looks really tempting because of, you know, the, the actor choice, the voice actor choice. Um, just, yeah, whether that's whether that's us being quite kind of shallow and being pulled in by their genius sort of marketing scheme, because that's what it is. I mean, like, it, that's, that's not, you know, let's not pretend that is what they're going for. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but... It c- could be great. It Like, the setting looks phenomenal. Like, graphically, mm. looks looks stellar. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be adverse to giving it a go. I um, don't particularly, when they have a celebrity in a game, that's kind of normally a bit of a red flag of this game doesn't have enough good game to kind of hold it on its own. Um, so that doesn't normally appeal to me, but nor does this actor in particular. I've never, you know, I liked him as Gus, of course, didn't particularly like him in Star Wars. I loved him in Star Wars. I loved him. That performance, just that boat scene, honestly, just gave me like, a little bit of chills, just like, oh man, this guy is proper. I liked his phrasing. Evil. I loved the phrasing in that scene because he's just like, you know, he's telling this beautiful story about when him and his dad used to go fishing and stuff. I was like, sometimes you just let the fish go. And he was just like, so I'm going to let you go. And I was like, he's going to kill them all. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's just said he's going like, to let it, them go so tense. of life. I'm letting you go of life. It's just so tense though. Like, you're like, Oh my god! Is he, right. is he not like? Is he just going to start killing people? The the person that comes forward and complains and is telling him he's a monster is this old lady, and he just pulls a gun and blasts her. Like they definitely set like a wow, this guy is definitely a bad guy. I right mean, now. let's be serious. Now we've all had that moment where we've had an old lady who's been shouting at us, calling us a monster for whatever reason, be it something as simple as accidentally bumping into her with a trolley in Tesco's, and we have all had the urge. So I'm going to maybe cut out just for legal That's reasons. That's fine. Like, I, I don't want you to go to jail for this after admitting to assaulting a lady with a trolley and then wishing death upon her. But... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm keeping this is why, it in. This is why he's interested He's interested in playing as the bad guys of Far Cry because he is. I love a good villain. I mean, you know, my favourite characters in any video game series ever are the villains in the Final Fantasy games and Xehanort from Kingdom Hearts. I mean... Love me a good villain. Why do you think I love vampires so much? Because most of them are villains. Fair, fair. 
Right, is there any more of the games from the E3 that you wish to I talk about? I think there is a big one that we need to talk about. And it was announced at Summer Game Fest. And we got oh, we got a little bit, we got yes. an extended gameplay trailer. And it's probably the biggest game of the whole of E3 because everyone on the internet just lost their shit when we kind of had that thing of From Software and George R.R. Martin pop up. Because let's be serious now, Elden Rings looks beyond amazing. Like... Yes and no. Like me, I mean, it looked. I, I think the worlds they've built there looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Like the monsters they've put forward as well. I'm not playing this game because I never can play a From Software game. They're too damn hard. Um, total noob, and they should put an easy mode so people like me can at least enjoy the story. Whatever. But the actual monsters in this thing, like every one of them, just looks so cool. The two things put in the uh, like I don't know chariot, two giant things. There's just like a weird stone just a head that comes sliding towards him at one point. Obviously, there's the thing with, like, the multiple arms. Ah, it does look cool. I can't wait to watch a stream of that, frankly. What I'm finding most interesting with this, because obviously George R.R. Martin, as we all know, has written one of the most successful fantasy franchises of this millennium. With, He's written most of it. You know, with, <laughs> with, you know, the kind of Songs of Fire and Ice books and stuff. I'm going to be interested to see how they match his kind of story structure and storytelling that he uses in novels and mix it with from software because from software don't they don't kind of stand there and go and here is a load of exposition and here are some very long cutscenes and here is a load of you know talky waffly bollocks to explain what's going on in the story from software very much just like and here is another item maybe you should possibly if you want to read the uh, stuff so you get a bit more information on the lore of the world unlike what i do most of the time which is just like oh is that weapon going to make me be able to survive for a bit longer and then eventually i'll go back and go oh that's quite cool i didn't know that and then i'll go and look through the wikis that's what maybe so i'm wondering I... that's what maybe most of it is though just like like in terms of i mean he's obviously set forward the actual like lore and you know what kind of monsters might be about possibly but um a lot of the laws probably just discoverable in written things and that would kind of be his more contribution in terms of if you want to actually learn more about yeah it, it could be i mean i i think it's an interesting team up because obviously like you say you know it there's a very high likelihood that it will follow the from software stuff and that, that we won't have long bits of exposition it'll be lots of reading through item details and item kind of descriptions and stuff like optionally as well yeah like, the, the world's built around all that stuff but it doesn't but tell you about that stuff. i also think that george rr R. martin very much knows that people are going to want a certain level of visual storytelling as well and part of me wonders whether we're going to get just a little like not you know kind of your you know assassin's creed level here's a long cutscene or a metal gear solid five what is it two and a half hour cutscene right before the final battle or something like that i don't think it's gonna be that level but i think it'll be interesting to see it from software and georgia they kind of go we're working with this fantastic story writer can we develop some slightly longer cutscenes and things that kind of elude a bit more to lore without people having to spend hours and hours and hours that they possibly don't have because they have jobs reading through loads of item descriptions. I think it's it's interesting. See, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this I'm gonna call this. I don't think there's gonna be any long long cutscenes like that. There'll be a you know the one at the beginning maybe, uh, you know one when you complete it. I think the world's gonna be built around what he's written, but what he's written is gonna be findable optionally. And they're not going to have any exposition in terms of like you know cutscenes during it. If you want to learn the lore, it's there. Other than that, it's going to be a square, a, a from software style game. You're killing this. You're killing this monster. And if you want to find out the 
you know, it's like they've done in all the other games, all of their Dark Souls games. You, if you want to find out about that thing you've just killed, that demon you've just killed, there was probably something hidden somewhere that told you about it, and it will be a deep lore. And you say people aren't going to read through all these things? Oh, they are going to read through I, all these I'm things. I'm not talking about... That's what these games thrive I'm not of. saying that no one's going to read through them, because obviously there are thousands and thousands of From Software you know, fans out there and stuff, but I'm just wondering if, for those people that might be slightly less inclined to spending hours of their life reading through every single item inventory they might maybe i might just be being optimistic and you know because i'm a yeah, lazy they're not, person they're not known for like they're not known for their accessibility are they i mean it's not like they make these games so anyone can just enjoy them these are games that you know if you can't complete you can't complete it like there's no easy mode at all so, yeah, I fully don't think they're going to try and, like, spoon-feed you any information. It's not going to be exposition-heavy. It's going to be another From Software game just built on a world of uh, world of what George R. R. Martin has dreamt up. But, which I think is good. Like, I think they should stick to what it is. And then, you know, you can all watch the, uh, the lore videos on the internet like you do with kind of, like, every other Soulsborne-esque game. So, I, I kind of, I think I'm more inclined to agree with you, Callie, in that... I think what they'll pull from George R. R. Martin is he has a fantastic ability to like some of some of the From Software games are very kind of um like gore heavy, very kind you know, they go for like the, the kind of visual nightmarish terror, which hmm. after a while you become quite desensitized to. Uh, you know, it that's just another creature with weird heads and like or you know, whatever. Um but like Martin will hopefully bring kind of this this element of that sort of slow burn and a way to kind of really freak you out in a way that is a little bit more sort of human and, and hits the mark. So I'm hoping, and again, I got got a bit of this in the trailer, I would say. Yeah, I'm hoping that there's there's something a little bit more kind of grounded because of the fact that, you know, they've got him on board as a storyteller, as someone who, you know, the art of that, the way things build and crescendo. So we'll see. Uh, definitely exciting, though. Good good call to bring it up for, for sure, Riku. Hmm. Uh, what were you? Anything you wanted to particularly mention there, Glitch? Uh, we've covered most of the ones, I think, that kind of uh, got me going. I know there's, uh, there's Life is Strange, True Colours, which I'm super excited for, but that, that wasn't obviously released at E3. It was just they talked a little bit more about uh, Alex's powers, which do sound cool. It feels like a return to form uh, after Life is Strange 2 kind of went a little bit off off the deep end and off the rails a bit. Um, hmm. But no, I, but I would be interested, uh, if I can be so bold, as to ask for your top three announcements or, or kind of uh, gameplay or games from E3. So I'll get, I'm will i going to ramble a little bit longer to let you think about it because I know this is, I've dropped you in on the spot, both of you here. But Oh, I was planning on dropping you guys in the spot on this. I was only going to go with your favourite though, so you, you're really screwing me over. I was completely <laughs> prepared to be dropped in it by either of you, so I have already prepared my top three. Go on, Riku. And Go for it. I, is it. Is it all three vampire titles? It's not. Weirdly, <laughs> there's not a single vampire title in this. Actually, no, there is, to be fair. Um, so the one that I'm probably most excited about is Breath of the Wild 2. My boy. You know, Breath of the Wild, when Breath of the Wild came out, it just blew my mind how they produced such a beautiful game. And we finally get a sequel, and it just looks even more epic than the last one. Um, hope, you know, there were so many things in that trailer that were just were, were completely mind-blowingly amazing and uh so exciting um so that that's that's my number one uh breath of the wilds 2 is definitely the one that i am probably the most excited about um unbelievably excited about starfield just a game that is going to look that beautiful 
just I, it gives me chills just thinking about how unbelievably gorgeous <laughs> that game looks. Um, and my third one is one we haven't talked about yet, weirdly, um, because I am unbelievably excited for Tiny Tina's Wonderland. <laughs> because I nice. yes. absolutely fucking loved Bunkers and Badasses DLC for Borderlands 2. It was one of the most hilariously brilliantly written dlcs in that game and now we get an entire game based around that with tiny tina dming the whole thing will arnett playing the bad guy dragon dude you know and i i am just very excited about that to be fair because it's gonna be like playing dungeons and dragons but with borderlands stupidity and massive fuck off guns which just it appeals to me on so many levels which i know sounds really juvenile but at the same time it's really exciting for me. So yeah, that that would probably be my top three. The third one's a bit contentious because it would either be that or Final Fantasy Origins, but I've now played the demo for that. So I feel a little bit less excitable because I know what that game's about now. That's fair. And to be fair, man, I've, Juvenile, like I, that, if you can't have a bit of that sort of over-the-top cartoonish fun in a video game, what are we playing them for? Uh, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, we play games escapism. to have Escapism. Yeah, yeah. No, good, good shouts. Callie, are you ready? I've seen you frantically scrolling. He's got visible visible beads of sweat. I was going to say, the people can't see this, but the man (laughs) is close to hyperventilating here, people. Like, he looks so stressed. um, There's just so many kind of good ones that I'm not too, like, okay, so. Oh, he's going for it. Yeah, oh, no, I've got kind of answers here, but it's just, like, whether I'm actually going to enjoy them or whether I'm just into the hype of them is the kind of thing. But the hype is as important right now, so go for it. Yeah, so I mean, like, Plague T- Tales 2, based on how much I enjoyed what I've played of Plague Tales 1, nice. and how beautiful it looks. Uh, so I'll put that on there somewhere. I would put Back for Blood, because of oh. while they're not normally the kind of thing I'll go for, the fact that I'm going to be playing that with my friends on Game Pass, there's going to be, you know, four of us there all shooting zombies. Kind of really into that. Um, and then, of course, number one for me is one we didn't talk about because I was saving it last, best for last, big Xbox fan, is Halo. And uh, not so much, like, the, the actual story trailer looked fine. You know, there was a little nice bit of something with this new AI, and that looks quite cool. But the multiplayer they showed of this... Now, I used to play Halo multiplayer back on Halo 3 a lot, and I've been kind of waiting for something to get back into for a first-person shooter multiplayer, and this is going to be the one. It looks so awesome just with the uh, grapple hook you can grab weapons out of the sky and like hoop yourself up to people's ghosts to then you know hijack them uh, it was going to be between that and battlefield but i think the fact that um i don't have to pay for halo's probably giving me a bit more hype on that was <laughs> battlefield is a 70 70 pound game so <laughs> um what about yourself glitch uh i'm, I'm gonna reverse order so i think in third just for pure both a bit of nostalgia and also just because I say it's a fresh slate for them is going to be uh, Hashbane's Instinction definitely. Um, okay. I need me. I need me some of that dinosaur in my life. Uh, if it if it kind of if it lives up to what it looks like it's going to be, I think it will be one of those sort of unmissable um, sort of titles. Um, so very excited for that. Let's let's see what that brings. Um, second place. Oh, the, the... I mean, you asked us the question. I assume you had these all plugged no, up. Ready I was, to go. No, because I was. No, I, no, I, <laughs> I threw myself under the bus as well. Um, no, I tell you what it is. It's because there's, I, you know, I have really enjoyed this this year's E3, and mm. 
there's almost too much good stuff. Um, it's either... No, I can't do either, can I? Because then I'm giving loads of options. All right, I'm going to go with um, Metroid Dread. Oh, nice. okay. Yeah, um, fair. Just because I didn't expect it. Um, it was, it was, you know, we were all hoping for a Zelda release. We were all hoping for certain kind of, you know, we were hoping for Resident Evil DLC. We didn't get it. Uh, you know, but but we weren't nobody. Nobody was after a Metroid game. And then to kind of drop this that looks so fresh and kind of exciting and interesting. I've, you know, love recently been playing like the Ori titles. Um, so to, to kind of go back to the OG version of these adventure platformers and see if they've, you know, if Samus has still got it. You know, can Samus still deliver it? You know, in this starting to get very sort of plagued uh, genre of game, I'm very excited to mm. see what what that what that kind of brings. And yeah, uh, not to sort of sound you know like I'm like I'm being repetitious here, but it's definitely Breath of the Wild two for me. I screamed my house down a little bit. I was I was a yeah, boy. small girl at Christmas. Yep. Uh, just and again, not only that, but the kind of the the kind of anticipation they are building by the fact that they still, they've recently announced after E3 that the reason they still haven't released the name of the title, like the the new title of the game is because it would give away so much of what the story is going to be about. And that, that in itself is so exciting. Like what, what can they possibly put in a title that is going to, you know, give away something? Is it, is it like Zelda's demise or because we see her falling down that pit at the beginning? Like there's just so many possibilities yeah. there. And that's, that's, that's just the title. So Given that the gameplay trailer introduced new, you know, new um, sort of powers that, that Link's going to have, it showed these kind of nods to Skyward Sword and uh, a much darker like element to the game that I think people have been crying out for since Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask. Uh, oh god, just I can't wait! And I know it's not going to be until Christmas, like twenty twenty two, probably, but it's okay. There'll be enough hype to carry me all that way, I think. And we're going to get loads of information over the next, like, you know, 12 to 18 months about it anyway, that it'll just, it'll be a slow burn hype until kind of this time next Maybe year. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll just save as a surprise, as you say, if the, if the name's given too much away. Maybe that's... I'm not, not I'm not be. expecting a name release. I'm literally just expecting, like, you know, in about three to six months' time, they'll just be like, here's a little bit more of a sneak peek at it at another Nintendo Direct. It's just likely... Yeah, two years ago... Two years ago, they gave us the first trailer, and they have been radio silent ever since, other than the last Nintendo Direct, where he, where uh, Satoru said, oh, uh, don't worry, it's still coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but we, want, we want to see it. Well, I've heard Nintendo scrap games because of leaks before. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> they're, they're pretty tight-lipped on things like this. They've done so well. I mean, yeah, you're given this and, say, Metroid, that there was just no information for him before it happened. Um, mm. So yeah, overall, really good E3. So excited. Uh, my bank balance. There was so much I'm looking forward to playing. Yeah, you know, gonna have to remortgage the house. And... <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Well, that kind of wraps it up then. So, firstly, just want to say thank you guys for being on. Of course, you both uh, have articles and write for hands on commiegamer.com. Um. But we can also find you where glitch. Cool. So I'm everywhere. If you just search at Glitchcraft, and that's spelled Glitch Q R A F T. So the craft is with a Q. Uh, I'm on every streaming service and social media you could possibly imagine. So yeah, come and check, come and check it out. I'd love to have you guys around. And where can we find you, Riku? Uh, you can find me at Riku underscore Knocked on Twitter. Okay, uh, and a few more little announcements we got. So on the 11th note, sorry, on the 10th of July, we're going to be doing a charity stream for Macmillan Cancer Trust. Uh, so a whole bunch of us commies are going to be doing various games throughout a 24-hour period, which is frankly 
not what I realized I was signing up for. So sorry, guys. <laughs> but at least it's not just having to do all on one person. We'll be passing the buck every now and then. Um, on the 3rd of July, we're showing up at the Medway Rapture Gaming Festival in Medway, obviously. Uh, give that a Google. We're also going to be promoting that on the website a little bit. And we've got two new podcasts currently in the works. They've already been recorded. We're just getting ready to edit them and put them out. And that's the Red Scare, which is our horror podcast with uh, Bandit and Holly presenting. And we've got Red Sun, which is our comic book and comic book culture podcast with T. Latimer and uh, Dan presenting. So a lot of things to look out for. Keep chill, keep it comic. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.